0: Hi. Got a quick announcement. We are going to be at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo this year. This is actually the eighth time we've been out there, which is crazy. That is taking place at the Oregon Convention Center in Portland, Oregon on October 18th through the 20th. So come on out and see us. We'll have a live panel. Details coming shortly. Um, And we can only do that thanks to everybody who has gone to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. That's how we can put money into doing something like that. So, yep, two announcements. You know that thing. Let's uh let's hear the dispatch.
1: My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs Dispatch, our monthly roundup Q&A show where patrons ask us questions and we answer them.
0: Yeah, so just like every month, we're going to um, answer your questions and prompts here at the opening. We're going to have a longer topic discussion, again suggested by you, and then round out with your thoughts about August games. Uh, Mm -hmm. No thoughts on Way of the Samurai, which is a a bummer, but also understandable. It's kind of an obscure game, but lots of thoughts about Final Fantasy V and Wolfenstein The New Order. Great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we'll be announcing what we're doing in October. Yes. Yeah. So stick Um,
0: around for the end. Yeah.
1: We got you hostage, baby. (laughs) Um, Uh, Fast forward. What's that? (laughs) Nobody leaves this fucking theater alive. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's not true. Um, Grim. Let's go ahead and uh, and get started. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll get us started here with uh, a game question from Julia uh, Slack Stalwart. Mm-hmm. Um, you get the power to remove one trope or mechanic from all video games for eternity. What do you do?
0: Hmm. So. Jumping.
1: <laughs> jumping
0: panic just jumping, back it for realistic. life, baby. I just,
1: yeah, I don't. I don't like how people go up in the air. I don't think it's right. I, no, I just don't no. think it's you know, it's an affront. It was a. It to, was a perennial
0: disappointment for me as a kid to realize that humans don't jump that way.
1: Yeah, like we had a plumber come to my house when I was younger, and I kept tossing my turtle at him, and he wouldn't jump. He just kept crying. <laughs> no, he's
0: like, "What are you doing to that poor turtle?
1: Yeah, I'm licensed and bonded, <laughs> but he only has that shell." I just—I was just trying to do remote salmonella, like at <laughs> You're
0: launching turtles over the castle walls. It,
1: it was turtles and then handy snacks, and I yeah. just went back and forth, hoping he would eat with the same turtle besmudged hands. Mm, yeah. Um, <laughs> a real answer would be random encounters.
0: Yep, random encounters.
1: There, no reason. There's mm-hmm. no reason for these. Should not be.
0: Yeah, Spe- specifically the kind of random encounters that we encountered in FF5, like Fallout random encounters, those are okay. But if it's
1: like a special bespoke thing. Yes. You know, right. like the cool, like the the weird encounters you get, the mm-hmm. secret encounters, those are cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, specifically RPG encounters where it's like, and even then, if you want to, if, you know, there are RPG combat systems that work, just throw the enemy on the fucking map. Yeah. um, You know, let me choose to engage with it. It is just the, the psychological cost of being interrupted sucks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Just so we don't give the same answer, uh, I will throw something else in, which is uh, grinding or farming for extremely rare drops. Yeah. That has never been additive, um, and it just even when it is not absolutely necessary, that encroaches on um, even like midway optimal play a lot of the time. Um, yeah. Repetition. Yeah. I just, I think like repetition, if I can take that out of games that are not specifically about
1: that. Yeah. Like that kind of, yeah. Like it, it's, um, I'm replaying final fantasy tactics mm-hmm. and final fantasy tactics is full of that stuff. Yeah. Um, through like item hunting and poaching,
2: Yeah.
1: um, those, those very rare drops and steals. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the weird knock-on effects of that, that I didn't really grapple with until this playthrough is how it pollutes the, like the, the, the kind of namespace for it. Mm-hmm. So like when you're online looking at stuff, right, because it's like, oh, the iOS version has slightly different ninja requirements than I remember, mm-hmm. you know, uh, from the PlayStation version, which I played the most times. Um, you know, what are they now? And I'm looking for it. And you get all these stuff about using equipment that is or having builds mm-hmm. that require this ridiculous farming and optimization, either, yeah. you know, grinding up, you know, brave and faith mm-hmm. um, or uh, like poaching yeah. rare monsters. And it's like, well, you know, first catch a, a hydra. And then hope that it breeds into this Hydra, which then you hope that it breeds to this Hydra. You can walk back and forth between these two towns while your monsters fuck.
0: Yeah. And then uh, this... uh, no, it's just chocobo breeding. What are you doing?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just this time-consuming nightmare to get, like, a really good item. And yeah. the game doesn't require it. No. You know, like, it could be worse if the game required it. But mm-hmm. it does, like, make it so when you're talking about classes or, like – you know, because I like – one of the things I like about that game is that complexity. Mm-hmm. So when you're reading, you know, class comparisons and stuff, people take that shit into account, like – life on earth isn't finite you know <laughs> right. and it's just like i'm not gonna fucking spend all this time poaching yeah yeah your mind <laughs>
0: so um,
1: I would, yeah i would plus one that
0: yeah i'm going to give a kind of kind of a, an additional answer answer and opt an option answer for mm-hmm. this uh that is very very modest but um it's not like a lack of feature but just some you know i would ask for a lack of lack of something um mm-hmm. i wish no game didn't have subtitles Especially oh, sure. yeah, With uh, with the voice acting, every game should have subtitles.
1: Yeah, yeah, agreed. There's no excuse. Yeah, like I play I play most games with subtitles. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I'm not uh, hard of hearing, I feel like my hearing is not super great. Yeah, um, you know, and has gotten worse. And just like the volume mixing in games is sometimes like there's certain frequencies it's hard for me to pick things. Oh, atrocious.
0: That the volume mixing yeah. is generally atrocious. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah, uh, I would love yeah subtitles. Mm-hmm. Stop omitting them. <laughs> Please.
0: Um, yep. let's see here. Ryan says, I don't recall exactly when, but I remember hearing a brief mention of wizardry during one of the Final Fantasy five episodes, likely regarding the game's less than graceful dungeons speaking of first person dungeon crawlers have either of you tried the etrian odyssey series of games i assume the mid-game grinding aspects aspects would be a massive turnoff but the depth provided by the numerous status elements damage types and binds uh, targeting body parts to prevent actions using that part would appeal at, at least a philosophical level to you too
1: um will hughes friend one of my best friends and friends of the show is a huge fan mm-hmm. Um, And I've been vaguely curious for a long time about them. Um, When I first got a DS flashcard, I picked up, you know, which I bought for legit reasons, Mm -hmm. right? Like it was to play uh, the translation of Rhythm Heaven and to play um, Retro Game Challenge 2. But I also used it to try games. And I used it to try it. And the aesthetics are are a really big turnoff for me, um, which is a minor order concern. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I just did not get deep enough to get into the parts that are cool that will tells me about that. I'm sure are cool. Yeah. Um, um,
0: I never so. messed around with the Etrian Odyssey games, but I have played with um, Persona Q,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, which is neat. I've not played enough of it again to get to those cool parts um, or to get to, um, you know, or enough to like talk about it on a show really. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like I, I, I love those things in principle. I like the idea of keeping your own map, etc. Um, You know, it's just, you know not something that I've especially had an appetite for. I I yeah. I, I believe you that it's cool.
1: There's one of those it's to me it's in the pile with like the spider, webs, the spider web software games. Yes. The things I think I would like. Mm-hmm. You know I just don't have time and there's so many of them at this point. Mm-hmm. You know.
0: And Is then, he still making like, those? Uh
1: Spiderweb? Yeah. Games? No, I think he's mostly been curating. Like he's mm-hmm. been working on a remake of one of the earlier ones for a very long time. Yeah, gotcha. Cuz it's just a dude. Like it's yeah. a dude and a couple guys. So it's 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 a you know this guy's being dudes. Um, <laughs> oh, <yep. laughs> like Tails all the time. Making, you know, <laughs> know, so it's uh the yeah, so there's just uh it's it's slow going. <laughs> but yeah, I believe they're good. And that that you know that aesthetic thing is is real, yeah. right? Like it's a minor key concern, but like at one point Will was playing me he had, had on his phone taped the level up noises of one of like the lady classes and they were just sex moans. Uh, and then it was like coupled with like, you know, the the how to draw anime the anime way like. Yeah, yeah, Drawing and stuff and I was like, man, yeah, this is doing a lot to keep me away. Um yeah, I guess there's a ro- there's a mystery dungeon uh entry which would yeah. be a good entry point for me if I was going to give it a shot, but
0: you know, time. Oh yeah. Um, I think I think there's one. It's a it's, it might not be an Etrian Odyssey game. But it is a Shin Megami Tensei game that is kind of a horror game mixed in with that as well, where you're exploring like a, an underground Antarctic base. Mm-hmm. It's like a SMT Strange Journey or something like that. That uh, the, mm-hmm. that that kind of is made by the same developers, I believe, but do not um, come for me with torches and pitchforks if that is yeah. not true.
1: Yeah, those are very both are long running series with a lot of like esoterica. Yes. You know, it's it's hard to inter- you know, internalize all that stuff from the outside. Right. Um, yeah. Uh this I got a question here from Benedict Chambers. Uh it says, What is your favorite game that could be described as a love letter to X? Not necessarily your favorite uh X though. Um, so like for example, um, you know, like a love letter to to do like painkiller or whatever. Or yeah. serious Sam as a love letter to you know, Quaker Doom. Right, right. Kind of thing. Um, and I, I chose this one because I have an answer, even if it is not necessarily my, you know, if I had a lot of time to think about it, mm-hmm. I might choose a different answer. But just a game that I like championing because I think it's cool mm-hmm. is uh, Neon Struct. Oh, Does yeah. Yeah. Same guy who made Eldrick. Um, it's the only game of his that I've beaten. I really disliked Slayer Shock and mm-hmm. it sold like very few copies and more or less made him quick games, which I think sucks. Yes. Um, because I think Neon Struct is very cool and is like definitely like kind of a love letter to, to Deus Ex.
0: Yeah. It's like a cyberpunk stealth game, right?
1: yeah yep yeah, really minimalist um soundtrack by like a pop band, which I love when like they do the entire soundtrack mm-hmm. uh and most of the music is diegetic. Mm. so most of the time it is like specific bands, like songs playing on a radio, yeah uh, kind of thing and yeah, I did, we started that for uh, check it out comrade and ended up beating it, which is rare. It's only like four or five hours, so it's a it's a quick game, um but it's fun, yeah, cool story,
0: yeah hmm, um I don't necessarily have a great answer for this, so I'm going to go to a fallback. Uh, mm-hmm. which is gone home as a love letter to the nineties. Sure. You know, um,
1: just but not necessarily your favorite nineties. What? Uh, just in the question. Oh, this is yeah. not necessarily.
0: Yeah, no, no, just uh, the, the, the ephemera that is kind of piled up and just kind of the general, uh, you know, feel uh, and the, and the things that the, uh, that the notes allude to reminds me of my own childhood. So yeah, mm-hmm. cheap nostalgia points, but I feel like there was a good, um, a great deal of love and care that went into that particular aspect that is, uh, you know, obviously not talked about as much as the other triumphs of that game mm-hmm. or, you know, things that people detract the game for. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I think that, uh, that, that is going to be my basic ass answer. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, Let's see here. Uh, Andrew writes, here's a, I'm going to, maybe I'll shorten this. Maybe, maybe I won't. Uh, So my my son just turned five and loves to watch me play pretty much everything. He also likes to try to play, deciding what games I show him um, and in what order has been something I've put way too much thought into. Start where I did in the NES era. Well, that's fun. He loves Bubble Bobble, but most NES era games are really unforgiving and hard. But it also feels wrong to just dump him into Hollow Knight without him uh without him ever playing Metroid, you know? What games would you show to your theoretical spawn and in what order?
1: Well, yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. Um I I think that like for that my uh instinct I have no uh you know, uh likely we'll never have children. Um so the this is all theoretical, but yes. it would just be like I would play games and then follow their interests. Yeah. You know, like if I was playing something and they seemed interested, like just go with that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, oh, you know, they, they seem to like, you know, uh, Shovel Knight or what have you. Yeah. Um, they're interested in, you know, interested. I don't really have a good conception as to what a five-year-old is. <laughs> like, <laughs> what does that mean in terms of like how sapient and, yeah. and, you know, with it, like what they'd be capable of? I have no idea. Uh-huh. You know, my the guy in my drums has two kids and he talks about them. Mm-hmm. And I think one's probably approaching five. Right. Uh, you know, and he, he can kind of play games and kind of play drums. He can kind of do a lot of stuff. I don't know how I would teach him to do anything <laughs> yeah. though. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> kind of just the wrong person for this question. Uh, apologies. Like, you know, I don't have a kid, kid experience.
0: No. Um, before, before I give my unqualified answer, uh, as, as well, cause you know, I, don't, I don't, know that kids are in the cards for me, but, um, um, I would suggest if you don't already, uh, listen to the level because Dennis Um, you know, my friend since college and co-host on that show forever, um, has, uh, you know, he has two, two kids and he will generally talk about games that he plays and shares with, with his kids, which, you know, Mm -hmm. goes from like, oh, you know, I like, I like the Jack and Daxter game. So I wanted to play that and have them watch up to like, oh, they saw me playing this, uh, classic server of city of heroes. And they're like, I want to make a hero too. So they sat down and made a hero together. So there are all kinds of good, um, kind of discussions there. And I think that his approach and the one that you kind of laid out, Gary, is the one that I think would be, I think, you know, the most likely to stick if you're looking for efficacy, which is listen to them and listen to them and observe them and see what they're interested in. I think setting a curriculum and forcing them to eat their vegetables before they get to dessert will make them consider a lot of good stuff to be vegetables yeah. when, you know, it ought to be fun. They 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 ought to be playing stuff because they because they because they, they want to um i yeah. think that uh being too uh, having too strong of a hand on that particular rudder will make them resent and reject um you know it, 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 yeah yeah just uh, <laughs> resent being steered you know picture yeah. picture of your dad sat you down and said all right uh before you can buy your own cd you need to listen to the entire discography of steely dan
1: yeah yeah or even a good band yeah, <laughs> like or, or even like Velvet Underground. I was sorry, like, just concerned... picture your dad bands. <laughs> yeah. No, no, yeah, but I mean, the idea here is like, what is the the canon? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, yeah. So like the uh, uh, you know, no offense to Celia Dan, they're fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I agree that mm-hmm. it's probably and also like one of these things too. I think, and this is, I don't think this is necessarily Andrews issue and it's definitely mm-hmm. not anyone i know who is a gamer parent right but uh one of the things i know i'd have to be careful about is the reason i'm saying it not because i'm projecting onto anyone else but mm-hmm. it's just like knowing if the kid is interested in games at all right right you know like i'd want them to be and i'd want to mm-hmm. share this with them but yeah. like if they just weren't you know, interested. I'd also be like, okay, you're a different kind of kid. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know that's probably very easy. Yeah, to say when you don't have a kid, just be like, oh, I would just treat them like a, a tiny individual adult. But that's mm-hmm. always been kind of my thought about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you
0: know, I mean, yeah. just the, the, there is the, there is an inclination a to you know uh, to a to break a kid than the way that you are broken. Yes, um, and b to you want to train them to be like you, even if it's subconscious. I've noticed that. But you know, I think back to all the times when my stepdad had to find. My, my my stepdad and my and my father had to find new ways to relate to me because I wasn't necessarily that interested in sports. Yeah. You know? So For sure. but there were there were other ways to, you know, to like to do that. So um yeah. uh per per the uh uh kind of the 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 point about um you know I can't just have them play Hollow Knight without having played a Metroid Consider working backward as well. Again, this is sure. just advice from a completely, um, you know, unqualified person. But if they dig Hollow Knight and they have a lot of fun with that, a, that's cool because that's a very difficult game. B, you can use that as a discussion to say, oh, if you like that, um, there's a bunch of other stuff that is like that. Would you be interested in seeing Symphony of the Night? You yeah. know. Um, just kind of showing it to him and say, yeah, this, the, this kind of idea is older than you think it's possible to well, work backward. I think that that also gives them the historical context.
1: Yeah. And that, that happens with like every medium and stuff too. Like I got into bands and then I got into the bands that they liked, mm-hmm. you know, like for, through learning about that, like the people who had kind of forged ahead or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, and then as that happens, your kid will get older mm-hmm. stuff too. So, um, last game question we have here, uh, Tara Parker says, Difficulty has been such a hot topic in games discourse lately that it would be neat to hear you discuss different kinds of difficulty in game, execution pressure, obfuscation, time pressure, strategic decision-making, et cetera, um, and how you personally relate to them, uh, ways you've seen them done well and poorly in games you've covered or played recently. Um, so we did, in kind of a grand thing on difficulty, we've done a dispatch. Where we talked about difficulty in general. Yes. Um, so without wanting to overlap too much. Mm-hmm. Um with that. So that's like a lot of like, yes, difficulty options are good and no uh condescension right. in that. But in terms of specific uh kind of ways that difficulty can can be done, um, there's a couple of things that I really dislike or think about, or mm-hmm. you know, things I do like. Um, I am always here for uh making decisions with unlimited time, mm-hmm. you know, consequential decisions. So uh into the breach, tactics games, yeah. you know, uh difficult RPGs love that um something i don't like um you ring a bell and it sets a timer and then you have to make it through an obstacle course before the timer runs out or the door (laughs) at the end closes Right. and then you have to run back and try again ring the bell yeah Um, this is 3d platformers love doing that Uh uh-huh uh and i think it sucks yeah i think it's it's super shitty i never like it
0: yeah that is uh executional demands with repetition as the uh as, as the stick Right.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. The the failure state is just try again, Mm -hmm. uh, which is something, you know, I've been on a kick about like how annoying I find that. And uh, yeah, so that is a way of adding difficulty to really back to the question by adding time pressure to something that ordinarily would be very difficult. And I think a lot of times that is kind of like an artificial way to juice difficulty. Yeah. Artificial, but like kind of cheap way, I guess.
0: Yeah, it uh, it doesn't feel uh, it feels like empty empty difficulty calories. How how did I? What did this teach me about the game by by, yeah. by, by doing this? Um, yeah, no, just did like especially when those popped up in um, Tomb Raider games.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, it right was then. it was super silly on Tomb Raider. Like, mm-hmm. I can believe that they had the you know the ancient technology or what have you to have a lever that opened <laughs> this, but to have a thirty second ticking timer, yeah, you know
0: that's a little weird little bit um i do like the idea if that happens if you could find and sabotage the mechanism so like mm. oh you know oh i just like i found the uh you know the timer is based on this on, on this uh hourglass well i just shoot the hourglass and all of a sudden it doesn't work anymore yeah it, it thinks it's awesome. always going yeah I that's, think that's, that'd, that'd that's a cool, good kind yeah. of challenge right yeah.
1: like that's exploration that's like ingenuity mm-hmm. you know like there's certain like like challenges like these challenges are meant to test different aspects of you know your performance and like it's just funny because there's, there's different, uh, aspects that are, you know, that are different strengths, like things you're interested in having tested mm-hmm. into different degrees, which is what makes difficulty subjective. But it's also interesting because there are kinds of difficulty that are just, uh, tend to be more accepted, mm-hmm. you know, as a thing, like I was thinking about this on relation to Se- sekiro cause I finally you know put it down. Like I fought all the bosses, uh, in it and, uh, where like if something if something is too easy, mm-hmm. um, that's the dev's fault. You know, in to, to gamer Americans, to gamer consciousness. Like they yeah, fucked no. up. If something is too hard though, it's our fault. Yeah. Like that tuning isn't something that's considered to be part of the game. Only one direction can be a problem. Yeah. With that. Yeah. Which is just, just kind of a weird thing. Yeah. I don't
0: know. Broadly, like broadly defining difficulty as anything that stymies or slows progress. Um mm-hmm. one of my least favorite um uh Methods for making a game more difficult, especially one that is exploration based. And I run into this quite a bit on, you know, when I play games for X crank, especially games I haven't played for a while or um, games that I'm coming to for the first time where the game does a very poor job of communicating what is next. Um, And oftentimes for games of a certain era or a certain, um, you know, kind of design ethic, what (laughs) it is up to you to determine what comes next by going and pressing every single corner. Uh, yeah, backtracking yeah. and hoping that you know something in the room so something in the world state changed and i think that that is kind of played off as you know you, you have to explore you have to pay attention i believe that it is incumbent upon the game to point you or at least give you a suggestion um not necessarily lead you by the nose but like indicate where like when and where a world state is going to change
1: yeah and, and that's like the point of the game is something where you like poke on different yeah, yeah. And that's, that's you know, that's something that has to be just used really judiciously. Like, mm-hmm. that cannot be deployed. And it can't be a, a bullseye drawn around a target you hit. Right. You know, like, it can't be like, oh, you know, it is intentional. We wanted to increase the sense of mystery. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, like if this is a narrative survival horror game with a sense of urgency for my character where, like, my character would reasonably know mm-hmm. where to go next, but I don't. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's up there with, like, um, a way that adventure games will do this shit is by having uh, arbitrary world state flags. Yeah. Change like this door opens when you talk to this character, even though that character didn't open the store. Mm-hmm. That is a way of like essentially just kind of wasting your time, you yeah. making you spend more time kind of pushing around, pushing on things. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, again, increasing that friction, if not necessarily difficulty, because it's just the tedium of, yeah, you know, and th- that episode, that difficulty episode we talked about, like, is tedium a kind of difficulty and stuff? And like, probably not. Yeah, it's just yeah. a fun, fun set of words to say. Yes. fun thing um, to explore. You know,
0: um, and just a little bit more on top of this. I think that you know, no matter what kind of difficulty there is, um any time where where you instantly flip from success to failure or succeeding yeah. to have failed, that is inherently frustrating. You know, and I talk about this a lot, you know, as our thoughts on the Souls games have evolved, um you know, we talk about games that demand perfection and especially in Sekiro where we're talking about, man, you can only take like 2 hits before you're down and there's no time to heal, etc. What I want in a, a game that is difficulty is the drama of almost failing but then succeeding. Yes. And in order for that to happen, it cannot be that, like, oh, you're spotted, and then, you know, restart at the checkpoint, et cetera. Yeah. We, talk about, you know, we, talk, we talk about that in stealth games where being spotted has to be fun, too. That expands to a bunch of other stuff. The ability to bounce back um, and the mm-hmm. ability to ride that line of uncertainty, it, just, it sucks when you know you've failed. And there's nothing you, could, you can really do about it until until the act is complete, right? Yeah. So yeah. you just I, I want more stuff to be tuned, you know. And uh, you know, I think this is just a modest act, uh, a modest ask. <laughs> but like, I I think I would like more stuff to be tuned, like re four, <laughs> where it is constantly yeah, yeah. keeping you at that at, at that line, right?
1: Well, because it, otherwise, it seems like in some ways that was like a, a huge feat of like adjusting that difficulty. But in other ways, like that. Is the otherwise you are looking at like a one size fits all approach to it, mm-hmm. you know, which is just very, you know, uh, unlikely, yeah, to hit that kind of sweet spot, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, and, um, and that, that, that's just me looking at the feeling that I want from difficulty and trying to solve backwards.
1: Right. And that doesn't mean you want to be like when you say you want to nearly fail and then succeed, it doesn't mean mm-hmm. you want to be invincible, right? Like, no, no, we talk about, um, you know, one of the things, and, and again, they, Got it, got it in one and then quit doing it with the health system in Dark Souls One, which is yeah. this is the number of mistakes you can make between these two points. Mm-hmm. And that mistake level is pretty generous. Yeah. Right. Like you can make between the bonfire in the parish and yeah. the Taurus demon, mm-hmm. like you can make yeah. three, four serious mistakes and still mm-hmm. have enough health to fight the Taurus demon. Yeah. You know, that it's just like it's tuning,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and if that was uh, adjusted dynamically, yeah. Ooh la la. <laughs> So, yeah. Uh, do you want to move us on to life questions?
0: Yes. So, Sean asks, do either of you have video game inspired tattoos? I have a quote on my side from Dark Souls 2 that means a lot to me in a game uh, in a game sense and then a life sense and an ironic sense as far as tattoos go. It is the quote that appears when using the bonfire aesthetic. What is done cannot be undone. Yeah. Yeah. Good tattoo. Yep. Uh, um, no tattoos here. Mm-hmm. Sorry, um, that's a disappointing I, answer.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, I have uh, five tattoos. I have gotten very close to getting a couple uh different tattoos. If Steve Gaynor didn't have 0451, mm-hmm. I would get that. But yeah. I know him. So I can't. <laughs> um like if I didn't know him, if I didn't know him in person, I could be like, oh, that's fine. Yeah. But like because I know him, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um I have gotten very close to getting Mort uh mm-hmm. from Torment. That which was also the- just kind of a fun skull.
0: Yeah, that has plausible deniability. <laughs>
1: yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, I wish the symbol of torment was cooler. Yes. Uh, you know, but it looks, it's a little Ed Hardy mm-hmm. uh, for me. Um, so uh, I've definitely had some I thought about. <laughs> I wish, uh, getting, I wish that
0: uh, the dark sign didn't look like a water ring.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, me too. You know, like that's a, and I like the dark sign. I thought about getting, if I was going to get a dark souls tattoo, I'd probably get the dark sign. Mm-hmm. Like I like the, you know, that we are all cursed. Like when this is humanity, like there's philosophical things I like about that. Yeah. You know? Um, but I, uh, you know, so I would get that, but yeah, I have I have not gotten one. No, yeah. I think I quite honestly, and I'm not, I haven't done this. Like when I get a tattoo, I think about it for a long time yeah. because it should. Um, I think I'm gonna get a Cormet tattoo. Ooh, I love Cormet. Cormet is it's, good. It's really on on brand with my The Dead tattoo. Yes, would
0: you, which you is get like, it oh, on Millhouse? Would you get it on the opposing arm?
1: Possibly. And yeah. they <laughs> like, go oh, Millhouse. Oh, cool, Kermit. Like I love <laughs> Baby. It's Like just kind of leaning into the version <laughs> appeals to me. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I love, I love those cartoons. Yeah. Tiny puppets are amazing. I've been uh cultivating my Rombi the Rhombus impersonation. <laughs> hey. That's a pretty good Rombi the Rhombus. Hey. hey. <laughs> sounds just like that. Hey. Ayo, <laughs> hello Rombi. Hello, <laughs> Rombi. Um, so good. Do you have a tuning fork? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh yeah, it is I, I just I love them. Uh-huh. I love them. So you know maybe my love is that strong. I've been here t- and I haven't been able to stop thinking about them. So
0: <laughs> have have you told the story about how you uh wanted to get some Fuppet stuff printed and they wouldn't do it
1: because oh, they I thought it so. was I, yeah. yeah, I ended up uh, for my last birthday uh last year as a tiny Fuppets themed birthday party mm-hmm. and I was trying to get some pins uh there and I got like a copyright notice that was like copyright. Muppet Babies, and I was like, "No, no, no! This is a parody. Here's a tweet, you know, from the guy who uh, who created it, saying it's okay." Uh, and then they were like, "I'm sorry, but you're gonna have to prove that you own the Muppet Babies," <laughs> which is a great sentence. Like, "Hey, yeah. I'm sorry." Like, if that had been said with a gun, like, like uh, Samuel Jackson in Pulp Fiction, uh-huh. like said to me, like. <laughs> you know situation like i'm sorry motherfucker but you're gonna have to play with the joe and the muppet baby it's like good, good lord <laughs> oh my! they yeah. uh, just found a different print shop though just do it oh yeah so it's just so funny. like oh this moral stand you decided to make for this to avoid you know my 50 <laughs> buttons uh impinging on copyright yeah like like
0: like, uh, like i like this is a big sting operation
1: yeah <laughs> ironclad good job sh- shitty print shop uh um yeah yeah um if you got a video game tattoo is there one you would get i don't know yeah
0: yeah not a tattoo
1: guy Eh, probably not no it's okay Um, the, uh, Dave says, in the not too distant future, the matrix uploader doodad is real. Uh, if you could use this machine to be perfectly knowledgeable and infinitely proficient in one area or activity, what would it be? Would you use this for personal growth growth or the betterment of society? Would there be a way to accomplish both? Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's tricky. Um, because like the, you want to, you know, adding in that, uh, betterment society, is like, Oh, like I would love to be an expert at. You know, feeding the boar. Yeah. I'd like to be you know the, the, the climate change. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, but then I also think all these feel like ways you could sign yourself up for a hell.
0: Yeah. I just I, the, the the trick is signing yourself up for one that doesn't make you a worse person or very, very difficult to be around. Because cool. like if I if I downloaded the entirety of video game knowledge, I would be impossible to listen we, to we on these the shows. show.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would quit. Yeah. Like it would be me and jeremy <laughs> um the uh yeah because the, the uh you know experts are annoying mm-hmm. like just kind of in general, and I guess like there's way, there are people who know a lot about something that don't act like they they're experts, yes, and they're not annoying, but it's you know it's tricky right like there mm-hmm. it is the t- the temptation
2: mm-hmm.
1: to to be like, I'm a professor, welcome yeah. welcome to class like whenever you talk about something and like if you if you do that, I guarantee you nobody likes you mm-hmm. um like it is it is a bad thing yeah, to be. Yeah. Um, the, the,
0: this is this is distinct from, say, like trusting experts when it comes to climate change yeah, and Yeah, that's,
1: right. that's interpersonally. I was thinking. Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking of interpersonally. And I'm not yeah. saying like experts in climate change are obnoxious to be around because there's lots of other subjects. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, like if you were doing a fun like podcast like this and you were a video yeah. game expert, man.
2: No. Um,
1: the, uh, and the thing about climate change is like you'd get that expertise and then you would just join the frustrated thousands of scientists yeah. who can't get anyone to listen to them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, that would be – very frustrating. Yeah. Um. So it feels like, a, or a way to spoil enjoyment of something for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe, you know, maybe if I'm an expert in music, I don't like it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if I know everything, if I matrix uploaded everything there is to know.
0: I know all the patterns.
1: Yeah, I'm just kind of done. Yeah. You know, like, so yeah, this is the, the tricky question.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, maybe cooking. Yeah. Cooking would be
0: really good. I think, um, yeah. you know, I was going to say like, like, like handiwork. Mm-hmm. handiwork or construction or building because at the very least i could use that skill to like i don't know go build homes for people um yeah you know <laughs> and also but, but be applicable for myself like, yeah i don't well, know like
1: it, it's just yeah i don't know like the things that are to betterment i feel like the problems of society like the What's, ways I mean, you can you can make things better are you know, our we're deck is kind of stacked against you on yeah. that scale, on well, a big and, scale.
0: And, and also, it, like, it, it is a false premise to say, as an individual, I'm going to do this when yes. every single
1: thing needs to be solved through uh, collective yeah. action, you know? Yeah. There's, yeah, systemic yeah. changes, you know? So even if I was an expert at recycling mm-hmm. and I got a job at, like, Recyclo, God, I the would... government would still...
0: I have you so know? much anxiety about recycling. I, if I could maybe just do that, and that way I never put the wrong thing in the wrong bin and feel bad mm. about it.
1: You know, you know the secret, right? Well, what is, what is the, the secret? Well, I mean, so, like, well, a... I mean, it,
0: it all ends up in the same landfill.
1: Well, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're your first, folks. Yeah. <laughs> um, round down. Because mm. in recycling, uh, so if you're not sure if something can be recycled, throw it away. Because yeah. when they're when they're picking up your recycling, if they see a couple things in your recycling bin mm-hmm. that are not recyclable, they don't sort it. Mm, yeah. You know, they just throw the whole thing in the garbage. Yeah. So it is better to err on the side of caution. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's best to know. Yeah. You know, but if you don't know, choose garbage because otherwise you're risking losing all your, you know, throwing out the entire baby with just a little bit of bath water.
0: Yeah. Um, I think cooking is a really good answer because that, at the very least, it can benefit you, but also it can benefit people around you who are close to friends. you. Yeah,
1: yeah, it doesn't you know. hurt. I, wouldn't, I don't think I'd ruin food myself yeah. for myself because C- C- I still like food.
0: Yeah. I, like, I've, I don't know an awful lot of, like, expert chefs who don't delight in food. I also don't yeah. know an awful lot of expert chefs. I watch them on television. but Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, if I was, like, an expert, like, medical person, yeah. right, and like, knew all of the medical stuff, it's like, well – Do I go be a doctor? Mm -hmm. You know, they're not going to let me just practice because of this genie wish, (laughs) you know? So it's like, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a tricky question. So I know food might seem like small potatoes, but, uh, and potatoes of all sizes, honestly, Yeah. yeah. once you're an expert. Um, (laughs) but the, uh, yeah, that's, I that's the best I can come up with. I I like the
0: idea of, um, just cooking a potato, like how difficult that is depending on size.
1: yeah yeah
0: Yeah, exactly (laughs) i'm only up to red potatoes right now
1: the the expert chef who just wheels (laughs) in this huge potato on a wagon (laughs) this is like my greatest challenge yet well i Uh, mean
0: i just i i I am you know probably what like well like what is one level above novice and you know let's say like like yourself,
1: a level two chef uh
0: maybe Oh, I, I don't know.
1: Like, I, I just, it's, 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 yeah, the Epicurious level two has logged on.
0: May, maybe. I don't know. Like, don't ask me to prove it, but I'm, you know, I I, I know how to use a knife. So I think that sure. that
1: is, you know, that, that that
0: is not a skill that everybody has, you know? Um, I, And so me with my level of skill, having, you know, used pans and stuff like that, I would not know how to begin <laughs> cooking a wheelbarrow size. I would not know how to begin cooking a county fair uh, size potato.
1: Well, sure. Like using with experience using pans and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just have like
0: you know people who all the you know, there are people who only microwave. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like,
1: I, I consider I, I I've I had to, you know I don't know I've never eaten your cooking. Yeah, I you know I wouldn't be surprised if you're a level one and people only use the microwave or level zero in the yeah, Epicure. Yeah.
0: That's fine. That that, that is a okay too. So that that is well, a okay well, yeah. with me.
1: When I watch the 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 cooks, the the level chefs, mm-hmm. like on that thing, like level one tends to make a lot of sense. Like sometimes they're doing, you know, some some bullshit. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh, I put tons of ketchup on my grilled cheese, and I'm like, what are you doing? No, no. You know, no. But you know, like up until that point, that grilled cheese looked pretty good.
0: Yeah, it wasn't my no. intention to like inflate my in, inflate no, my sense. No, I just it's... compared to even people in my family who just are 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 useless. You know. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, no, no, I just, uh, I just, and I was also just thinking, I love the, the, uh, the debasement mm-hmm. of the Epicurious, like chef declaration. <laughs> like, like, I'm a level one chef. And then just somebody comes along and it's like, I'm a level two chef. And it's always level two ones that are super cocky.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, and then level three, they're just actually legit and work in a restaurant. So. Right. Right. So, what a weird, miserable job that is too. Like being an expert in it would be fun for yourself, mm-hmm. but everyone, everything I've ever like on the ask tell on something awful, I read like a bunch of restaurant. Threads and it just sounds like thank thankless long hours. she yeah. Like nicotine soaked work. Yeah. To be a chef, like where you where you, know, you have like, a,
0: where you good. where you have to basically work for months for free as an interview. You know, yeah. you working and yeah. staging and stuff like that. No, fuck that.
1: And work um, on your knees basically. Yeah. Like it just sounds so hard on your body. Hmm. Like none of it sounds good.
0: Yeah. No. No. I, th- I think th- I think cooking would be the would be the right way. Because individually, the scale that we can act at is to better better the lives of those closest to us, and making food for somebody is love.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, I got a – is it me or you?
0: Uh, I believe this is me. Um, Yeah. Let's – Let's see here. Uh, I know you've got this highlighted, but I want to do it.
1: <laughs> no, no I, I was just – I just – I didn't have it highlighted on purpose.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. Zach says – or Zach asks, moving us on to media, uh, media questions, uh, what do you think of the recent explosion of, quote, mainstream podcasts, meaning corporate and or celebrity-backed? Will they overshadow the more independent podcasts, or does the rising tide lift all ships?
1: Yeah. Um. um. Wow. Like I it, it it's I don't know that it like I can see I don't know what how it'll actually shake out. No. Um I'm not again it. It's fine. No. Like if somebody you meet somebody and they just listen to cereal, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna like try to obscure them uh about stuff. No. You know? Um yeah, I think it is fine. Um a lot of those things are not to my taste. Yeah. Um I don't you know I haven't I haven't really liked any of them that I've listened to. Um you know, and that's that's doesn't say anything really about like its impact, though, or whether it's good or not. They're just kind of hey, not for me. Yeah. So,
0: um, I yeah. I think that it, it it has led to a you know to, to a glut, and also like this weird um namespace pollution, where you will see somebody say like, oh, I need I need a new podcast. I need something like Serial, S Town, and then they list a whole bunch of other true crime shows, and then people yeah. ju- and people just recommend a whole bunch of other true crime shows. I think that yeah. like weirdly because of serial <laughs> like podcasts have been, have become synonymous with true crime stuff um, mm. for, for a lot of folks, especially in kind of the broader popular popular media. I think the thing, like the thing that personally annoys annoys me about this, about this rise um, a is um, seeing a think piece written in the New York times about how podcasts are finally a thing. Yeah. Um, or that one, especially annoying article that was like, uh, have we reached peak podcasts when yeah, somebody was, doesn't try to succeed? I, I wanted to, I wanted yeah, that's, to, spin. it was really
1: annoying. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for people who don't know the background on that is that yeah. it was like, have we reached peak podcast and an interview with a woman, uh, who started a podcast, uh, called the advice podcast. Yes. Um, and did like seven episodes and never picked up, you know, advertisers and the article and stuff was like. You know, Squarespace wasn't calling. <laughs> you, know, you know, Casper Match wasn't picking. And, and, up and they the described phone. it like,
0: "Oh, we we got it. We got into a uh, we got into a conference room and we talked into you know into our iPhone that we had yeah. that we that we had sitting there. And you know, when we give advice, we say, hey, 'Hey, don't let the gear get in the way. You can make a minimal investment and still have something yeah. sound good.' You know, that that is a growth area. Just make sure it sounds." It sounds as close to things that you that you listen to as possible. So don't read my tone here as being like elitist or whatever. Uh, 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 An iPhone sitting in the middle of a table ain't going to cut it.
1: Well, (laughs) that had nothing to do with why this didn't cut it, though. Right. right. it It was
0: indicative of just the effort that they that they put into it broadly.
1: Like, I agree. Yeah. But for me, the bigger thing was the expectation of instant success. I think it yeah, was the yeah. way that they were more off base. Right. Mm-hmm. Like starting off with an iPhone on a conference table doesn't bother me on principle at all. Okay. Like, that's fine. You know, you're starting, you don't even know, like it was called the fucking advice podcast. Yes. Like they did not have a concept. They mm-hmm. didn't, you know, they needed to work some shit out. Yeah.
2: Um.
1: You know, starting that with like a no money uh, solution that makes tons of sense to me. Yeah. Um. It's just they did seven episodes and we're like, why isn't Casper calling? And even <laughs> if they had had, because the other thing happens too, right? Like there are tons of podcasts uh, in Portland, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that I see like when I research them that have uh, studios and producers. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about that. So they've put in the money, mm-hmm. right? They sound great. Nobody listens to them. Right. Like they don't have uh, kind of followings. Yeah. Um, and it's because it's a cart before the horse thing. Like even if that advice podcast had the best. Equipment in the world, they didn't have like a concept. They had like no tenacity mm-hmm. uh, and they went into it assuming they'd make it. Yeah. Um, that's the part that to me is annoying. Like it's annoying when people assume that your job is easy. Yes. Um, You know, it's like, and we are, we want people to start podcasts. Like we've mm-hmm. always said like, Hey, try it. you know, do it. Mm-hmm. Get in there. But it's not, that isn't, isn't the same thing as saying like, you know, just because we're saying you can do it doesn't mean that we're saying it's easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two, you're not entitled to any success. No, like this was just no. kind of like a, a, a middle upper middle class white woman from New York mm-hmm. who just kind of ran in these circles and had heard these podcasts. And I was like, Oh, I can, I can do this. I, I'm going to make a living at this yeah. and just decided to. And that's the thing that bothers me. Like it is, uh, you know, it's not about like putting in your dues necessarily, but mm-hmm. it's about not recognizing the, the luck and tenacity involved in success in any creative pursuit.
0: Yeah. You know. And then also not using your personal connection to go and uh whine to the New York Times about
1: it. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, yeah, there's there's an element of like jumping the you know, the queue
0: to yeah. that, right? Yeah. That
1: just kind of feels like, yeah, you know, like you get a bunch of experience with this because you can talk, you know, you can get this news story and get all this national attention and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's like just like a unreasonable amount of privilege for somebody who doesn't deserve shit. Yeah. Uh basically. And like I get that happens. And at a certain point, right? Like we're those guys too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, you have thought about that a lot where it's like, you know, there are people who podcast who are probably as good as we are,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, who don't have the success that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, it's not that we deserve it more than they do. Mm-hmm. Like that's where that luck factor comes in. Yeah. You know, so it, it's not like, uh, we have access to some, some channels that mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have, Yeah, you know, and, and we, we use them and shaking that kind of hard scrabble mindset. hmm. Has been hard for me to do, like, and it's not totally unearned, right? Like we're independent, we're not rolling in it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm still podcasting from my two-windowed studio apartment. <laughs> um, but the uh yeah. So anyway, I mean, it's kind of kind of a tangent, but yeah. the um, you know, basically the idea that like anyone can do this, I can do this. It just, you know, a, a Casper Carfax sponsorship comes standard. Um, and if it doesn't work, I'm gonna go wind at the New York Times. Yeah, yeah. Like that's just the repellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a thing
2: yeah
1: the The true crime thing doesn't bother me as much like that's just a popular genre i think of it like comics yeah like there, there will be rises and falls in genre you know for any kind of new medium um that doesn't bug me too much mm-hmm. and it doesn't bother me too much that like something like welcome to night vale like takes off and gets books and all that stuff and it's like well you know they all they just had more luck like more luck than we had and we have more luck than some other people do like i think yeah. that's you know that's okay
0: yeah Uh, You know, I think that I think that broadly for me, you know, asking is this does a rising tide lift all ships? In one sense, yeah, there's a limited amount of time, and yes, there is a limited amount of money that people can put into either sponsors or direct support. But it's kind of like I'm super happy to see Patreon doing so well. And just, you know, mm-hmm. whenever I see somebody else say, Hey, I started a Patreon because of X, Y, and Z, the more people who get into that ecosystem, the more they start looking. The barrier mm-hmm. the barrier to entry, the barrier to acquiring them as somebody who, you know, listens to your show, as somebody who knows how to download podcasts now or knows how to um support support. through patreon that means that everybody can benefit because we have gotten more of those people over the hump um what i don't like and this was uh uh, uh, this was a controversy a few weeks ago maybe two months ago but like luminary i think that's bullshit those those are vc backed Mm -hmm. carpetbaggers that venture is bound to fail and i'm sure that when it does it is going to cause an awful lot of doom and gloom when in reality, uh the only relationship that has ever mattered has not been you know the listener with the platform it has been the listener with the creators. Anything that complicates yeah. that is inherently um you know I think corrosive
1: yeah yeah and and with with the specific <clears throat> things about this, like not just like do you get people on the patreon ecosystem, but you get more people who know what a podcast is, yes yeah. and know what to expect and all of those those kind of things. So it is it does help in that in that sense. Yeah. It's also that kind of like doom and gloom part is always overblown. Yeah. yeah. Like we we've weathered Patreon being over like four times. <laughs> yeah. You know, so like the, you know, when that when that uh luminary thing dies or whatever the newest like kind of construction constructed prefab podcast network made to make money, like dies, there mm-hmm. will be a lot of talk is like podcast over, but they're not really talking about any podcaster I know, right. like they're talking about that lady, you know, the, the podcasting construct in people's minds that is at the center of that lady's assumption that starting a podcast automatically enrolls you on the Casper mattresses, free money program. Right. Right. You know, so yeah, there's money in the mattress. Casper. <laughs> um, yeah. So I am. Yeah. Very happy that we don't have to do that shit. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, Rowan says, uh, I've been, Recently trying to get into more horror media because I love the cool ideas and a lot of this stuff. Cannot wait for Nyarlathotep week. Thank you. Neither can I. Uh, But I can't get over the hump of hating jump scares and I guess being terrified generally. Watched Hereditary on Gary's recommendation and it's definitely a good film. Without spoiling anything, I could handle the movie right until the last 20 minutes. uh, At which point I had to pause and kind of skip my way forward, uh, then went back and watched it properly. Themes, story, and general quality of the film are awesome, but I hate that I essentially had to ruin the ending for myself. Was this ever a problem for you guys? Can you push past this somehow? For reference, uh, I can play Resident Evil games fine. Dead Space was a bit much, and I watched J.C.'s uh, John Carpenter's The Thing and thought it was pretty good and not especially scary. Um, yeah, so uh, jump scares. Mm-hmm. How do you get over the the visceral feeling of being scared? The like the repellents.
0: Em- immersion uh, therapy. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I just your it's, your it's, stepdad it's, constantly busting in to show you his new chainsaw and hockey mask.
0: I mean, just you—you you, you just have to recruit yourself a, a friend to be your personal spaghetti.
1: Yeah. Yeah, gotta get get a pocket
0: spaghetti. Um, th- 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 this is this Sweet. is one of. The- <laughs> I I don't know how uh, how deleterious uh, this uh, th- th- this attitude is, but I think that jump scares are something that gets get less scary over time. Like obviously, if you have a heart condition, maybe don't expose yourself to it. But um, mm-hmm. you know, eventually they get it it, it it gets less. You know, I think it's an investment kind of thing mm. to to, to yeah. you know to learn to stop being bothered by them.
1: I, I still get get got every yeah. time a jump scare happens. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have never gotten uh over them as a thing. Um and there's definitely uh differences in like what will kind of trigger my sensitivities to stuff and what won't.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um I think that it is kind of key to enjoy that feeling of anticipation. Yes. Like if you're if you're gonna enjoy a horror movie that has uh jump scares in it, mm-hmm. or a horror movie. But something like Five Nights at Freddy's is too much for me because it's all jump scares. Yeah, yeah. Um that's not interesting to me. I have to be pulled along, uh, kind of thrilled by the context mm-hmm. of the jump scares, which is why why like hereditary worked for me. But like, I also am susceptible to that stuff. And I do a lot of uh, whistle tactics. Like, I do. Um, so I went and saw Scary Stories Tell in the Dark mm-hmm. yesterday, which is a surprisingly scary movie for like its very kitty rapper own plot. And like, and if I'm in a theater, <clears throat> something's going to happen. And depending on how I'm feeling, like, and this this can depend, depend on a lot of factors, like my blood sugar and like what mood I'm in, how much sleep yeah, I got, yeah. how much caffeine I've had that day, et cetera. If I feel like I cannot handle just like staring right at the abyss and having something jump out at me and having mm-hmm. scary music, I watch the movie out of my peripheral vision. Yeah. Um, and I've done that for games as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if a game, uh, you know, when we did uh, Amnesia, mm-hmm. which I think is a, a scary game, there are portions of that where I kind of look at the corner of the screen and move forward. Uh, and watch it out of my peripheral vision, and it gives me a sense of remove. Yeah. Um, the one of the least scared I've ever been, played, uh, been playing a scary game was when I did a Let's Play of Amnesia, you know, amnesia, mm-hmm. uh and talking. Yes. Like along with something like having somebody there mm-hmm. uh, has a whistling in the dark effect as well. Yes. So maybe try playing them with a friend. Yeah. I yeah. think
0: I think that that, that is a good uh, that, that 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 is a very good suggestion. Have, having yeah. people around does mm-hmm. does mitigate that quite a
1: yeah. bit and, and sometimes you don't want that like if you became an aficionado for this stuff like mm-hmm. you know there are movies like i uh midsummer was way less scary to me than hereditary partly because it's less of a scary movie but partly because i saw it in a, in a big theater with my girlfriend mm-hmm. you know where I watched hereditary in a creepy one-bedroom apartment i lived in for two months so was like <laughs> on a gravel lot uh you know uh <laughs> In, in a, like a, a more, uh, you know, three wheeler and gun section of, of Portland, not to mm-hmm. be classist, but it was like a little bit strictly more dangerous mm-hmm. and not because, you know, and that's not ethnic coding. That's white people with guns. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like there's a big Trump sign like, you know, in the alley and things like that. Uh, so I watched that under extremely scary conditions, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, so sometimes some things I will not want to ruin for myself because I want that pure like creeping dread mm-hmm. feeling. Uh, and sometimes I, you can mitigate it in lots of different ways. Yeah. I
0: um, what I would say, like if John Carpenter's the thing, um, it didn't necessarily scare you. There are, you know, any number of like, for lack of a better word, really schlocky, uh, body horror, uh, kind of gore kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you may just want to start watching older movies. You know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, because yeah. we're in
1: a golden age of horror and they're yeah. very good at it now.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like weed today yeah. versus weed in the 70s, you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The, uh, I, the, the, before uh, the movie, there was the, the latest or the complete trailer for it too,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which I hadn't seen before, which like looks, it you know, looks cool. I like that movie a lot, mm-hmm. uh, the first one. And, uh, you, even the trailer, like, it was just like incredibly spooky. Yeah you know there's the a little like that little i don't even know if it's a musical that little sound like rah, 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 <laughs> like motif that happens yep. during those that kind of laughing sounding uh-huh squeaking is so good God, i'm so excited yeah, yeah, it's good. it looks awesome. Like yeah. I'm, I'm really excited, yeah. and that was you know incredibly scary movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: uh, so I don't I don't I don't mean to sound like a callous jerk when I say like oh it's a thing you can work through. Obviously, everybody has different dispositions. You know, it just depends on how much you you know you, you want to learn to feel uncomfortable. It's a little bit like you know I I, I don't drink coffee, and I'd be interested to learn more about coffee. Gonna have to drink some coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. agreed so yeah i would say I would say those are the kind of the main fear mitigation Mm -hmm. i think also sometimes like and this is what uh rowan did with Hereditary. knowing what will happen Mm. uh, is a good way if like you just can't get through it but you still want to see how it happens like
0: yeah spoil it for yourself
1: Spoil it for yourself i don't you know think that's necessarily you know that's up to the individual how much it's going to bother you Mm -hmm. if the question if it you know and like we talk about games all the time you know people will say oh it's a it's a a choice between the ideal, uh, you know, experience and a lesser one because you spoiled it for yourself. But if it's actually a, a decision between no experience mm-hmm. and a lesser one, take the lesser one and spoil it for yourself. So you know what's going to happen. Yeah. I don't think there's any problem with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you want to get those ideas.
0: Yeah. You know, the um, things you like. if there are specific things that really, really bug you um, and you're just curious going into the movie, um, go to does the dog die.com. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, yes, that is useful for knowing if there is violence to animals that happens here. But they've got all kinds of categories for things that really, you know, uh, bug folks. So, like, just looking here for it, like, is there a claustrophobic scene? Is there a hanging? Is there a hospital scene? Is there a mental yeah. institution? All, all of those, and they are. Uh, they say either yes or no, and then there are comments that elucidate. So, like, is there, um, is, is there? Is there? Eye mutilation. Pennywise gets stabbed in the eye by the losers during the haunted house scene, which isn't a pretty sight. Okay, cool. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So if you know yourself and you and you know what's gonna what's gonna uh, uh, get you, then uh, that is a good a good resource and it's free. Consider that to be like Run P, but for uh, but for um, you know horror triggers.
1: And it's, you know, it's one of those things, too, where like Stephen Molyneux would make a video about how shitty snowflakes are that they need these trigger warnings. Sometimes it's not even a trigger warning. It's just like wanting to know what you get, you're getting into. Yep. You know, like that, that's one of the things, those arguments about like college being a safe place, being bad mm-hmm. uh, are all such horseshit because they're just like no one is saying that, y- you know, you're going to do a great classics of literature course. And just like there was imagining the person who sneaks it. You know, yeah. like there's something about the conservative mind where they're always imagining the person who's like out to get them.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: And it's like, oh, this person is just going to lie and say that they're triggered by everything and avoid doing any of the reading. Mm-hmm. No, maybe sometimes there's like one or two things somebody doesn't want to have or they're willing to read it. They just want to know it's coming. Yep. Like surprises matter. Mm-hmm. You know, so like I'm not any of those horror things. There's nothing in particular in horror that I would I would say that I'm like triggered by in any kind of traumatic sense. Right. But like teeth stuff weirds me out mm-hmm. maybe i have a lot of anxiety about that and i don't want to see somebody's you know hair grow out of somebody's teeth right right you know call me crazy i'm just like i can't i don't want to look at that mm-hmm. you know and knowing it in advance isn't a bad thing no you know so yeah it's yeah. all opt-in so is the college class yeah yeah
0: does the dog die the
1: model,
0: <laughs> do, do, does the dog <laughs> die have a uh it, it does have a jump scare category um, yeah, that's and, great. and a lot of them have like brief little descriptions like for stranger things like, oh, yeah, the deer scene is definitely a, j- a jump scare. So, you know, mm-hmm. if there's a deer, cool. Like I should probably yeah. brace for that.
1: Yep. Time to look at the corner of the screen or fixate on the exit sign in the theater or look mm-hmm. between, you know, your eyes or bury your head in your, your partner's shoulder or any yeah. number of those things. So, yeah, Um going to uh, jump ahead just a little bit um, mm-hmm. to a uh, show question here. Um, Ian says TV has restructured a great deal since January. What change or practice has been the most difficult to maintain? Um, I like this cause it's a tough question. <laughs> yeah. It feels like telling tales out of school. Yeah. Even though they're tales. Ooh. In school. Yeah.
0: No, the t- t- tales, tales about school.
1: Yeah. Talking about school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, this is, ai well, I'm going to put a, a gigantic asterisk next to this that I want people to pay attention to because, People follow that like anything you say before a butt doesn't count. Yeah. Kind yeah. of things, you know, and it's like, no, like this actually counts. With the the caveat that uh almost everyone has been absolutely dear. Mm-hmm. Um, we have gotten a minor amount of ex- exposure to the parts of the Soulsborn audience that were not a reason why we stopped doing the show, but were something I didn't miss. Yeah, yeah. 95% of everyone has been awesome mm-hmm. uh about that but that 5% is very unique and they're kind of back. Yeah. Um, I know there are people who hate, uh, hearing anyone complain about anything online. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but this is the question, right? Like what's the hardest thing to, one of the hardest things to maintain and maintaining that, allowing for that being exposed to that has been an unexpected difficulty. Yes.
0: Um, yeah, no, just, uh, re-exposing ourselves. Um, to, to to that is absolutely something that came with the restructure because the restructure came with opening Bonfire Site Chat back up, which has been yep. generally a positive experience. Yeah, I've, mostly en- I've, awesome. en- I've enjoyed doing the show again.
1: Quite yeah, a me bit. too. Yeah, like I love being back. Um, people have been really cool. Like it's, lots of really great discussions. Like mm-hmm. people have generally been awesome. Mm-hmm. There's just like a couple there's there are still some weird toxicity left in that fandom. Yeah, you're more than the greater curve. I think mm-hmm. more than just like generally gaming and getting back to that has been a little bit of a bummer. Yeah, um, even if it is Comparatively, super small.
0: Yeah. Um, For me, I actually, uh, my lack of an answer to this question makes me feel good about the restructure because a lot of the restructures have been to eliminate uh, things that just were not working, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, just when we simplified things, um, it made it you know, like it just made it just made it easier to exist doing doing this work. You know? Mm-hmm. So like this past restructure has been re- remarkable for its lack of difficulty um in yeah. terms of in terms of new complications and you know new things to maintain. Um while also like the restructure has meant doing doing more work. You know, yeah. doing unfilmable, bringing Bonfire side chat back. These are non-trivial additions to the schedule, but it's also cool and rewarding work. Um, yeah. And you know, doing spreadsheet admin um, for certain parts of the Patreon, not necessarily as cool or
1: rewarding. So yeah. yeah, yeah, it has been it has been by and large on every conceivable metric a huge success. Yeah. Um, and it was just there are a couple of you know because I'm asked about the negative parts I can talk about that, but yeah. the uh you know the positive parts are way more important and prominent.
0: Yes. Um, Mark asked a question. Um, how come you guys never made the jump to YouTube for the record? I think the network is awesome as is, and I prefer the audio only format, but it seems like a lot of content creators these days are going the video route more money on YouTube. Maybe this is an inside baseball question, but I've always been curious. Keep up the great work.
1: Yeah. This, uh, this question came in late and I was like, Hey, ask that again. Cause that's a good question. Yes. Um, yeah, we, we had a, we talked about this at one point, not like necessarily seriously considered, but mm-hmm. I have a very distinct memory of us talking about this. Um, the first time we were, uh, having our panel at PRGE and we mm-hmm. were up against the peanut butter boy yeah, and the peanut butter child had, <laughs> you know, this huge line around the, around the corner.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then, and, you know, we had our, our general, you know, 25, 30 people, mm-hmm. you know, that we generally, which I'm thankful for and are awesome,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, who come to our live shows, uh, you know, sometimes, right. Like it, we, it varies, but the, um, just thinking, I was just like, oh, this guy is like, you know, and I've watched that guy's content and stuff. Um, and it's not like, I don't have anything against him. I don't mm-hmm. think he's bad. I don't think he's doing anything really special though. He just kind of has that made it with that really, really wide install base, yeah. uh, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's 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 not like to me. I don't think there's anything there that qualifies as like particularly unique. I just think that like it's just YouTube. Mm-hmm. So we you and I like talked about it, or you know, caroused about it, or you know, caroused or some some kind of thing without seriously considered some verb that means not sat down and seriously considered. Yeah, yeah, you know.
0: Um, I think the yeah. the you know we we came to a couple of conclusions. It's, it's a different kind of content. It's a different kind of work. Um, mm-hmm. Video workflow is. You know, really, really intensive, and it is. You know, I think that, it, you know, for us, the ability to kind of get stuff out on a regular basis is yes. one of our most important assets. Retooling to do this in video would add so many more roadblocks that would be implausible for us to do as much as we almost do. every
1: show on the network would go away. Yes, like basically overnight. Yeah. Um. The uh you know it is uh most of the youtube creators who i like mm-hmm. put out a video a month at best yeah um oftentimes every several months mm-hmm. right like it feels like joseph like joseph anderson who i like puts out five videos a year yeah you know and compare that to duckfeed where we put out something every day
2: mm-hmm.
1: um you know and a large portion of that is because that workflow is easier like part of it is because we we work really hard and because we for a long time we didn't know how to do stretch goals other than making new shows mm-hmm. and we have a lot of interest like we talked about that a lot but part of it is also just like it's just a lot easier mm-hmm. um yeah it's also i know that in youtube and having read like a lot of co- accounts like Voidburger did a uh, medium post about this uh things it is a lot about chasing an algorithm
2: yeah fuck that
1: um but yeah which i have no uh tolerance or stomach for like mm-hmm. You know, and that means tailoring your content to fit that algorithm. So like long videos are in and then it became like videos of a certain length. Like I think like a 12-minute thing is like basically in right now. Yeah, yeah. As far as the algorithm. So like you you tailor your content.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we don't want to tailor shit. Yeah. Um, that, you know, that has generally been kind of a value of the network. It's like, no, like let's follow our gut and not actually yeah. chase any marketing stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: You know? No, no. Uh ab- ab- absolutely. And, you know, I from you know for for from for my <laughs> um kind of piece of this worked in you know video marketing for quite a while and mm-hmm. constantly had discussions and you know, helped write content and made recommendations, did research about ways to optimize for like video marketing and ads and what's in and what's out in the algorithm and stuff like that. And just I was like, nah, no. Like I know people who have gotten successful you know basically living in that system and they seem miserable about it so mm. uh no it's not something that i am necessarily interested in i don't think that that is uh conducive to really good work um you know for for me um i love doing video work like i love editing uh things like that it's just a matter of you know <laughs> it's a lot so yeah it's I, a lot I'm, of work i'm happy to, you know having that be supplemental
1: yeah and, and then also insofar as the, the, the network having, being a partnership, like I don't like doing it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, if we seriously have that discussion, that would be something like, uh, like a factor, like not that I can't learn, not mm-hmm. that, you know, I couldn't make myself do it. Right. Uh, but it's not work I enjoy. Like I, I conceptually can understand video editing, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not that different from audio editing and then it's like moving on a timeline. It's just, it's two timelines, yeah. you know, like you, yeah. you sync up and like, I get that I've done minor video stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't like that extra step you have I'm not to, that to con- condemn like your like of it or anything i'm just no saying, no you it's, know, it's, it's i've div- tried it it's not for me
0: it's different tolerances you know when i when, when people talk to me especially you know back in school or um you know just when having discussions about about video editing you really have to enjoy information management you have to enjoy tedium yeah there there, there is a bonsai tree kind of aspect to it if you're doing something highly edited
1: um, and finally, just to close out so show questions, it's weird being caught up because mm-hmm. we did those catch-up episodes. Yeah. Um, Question about the network, Uh, despite being available to a wide audience, podcasting tends to be a fairly personal and intimate thing. It can be easy to feel like you know these people uh, that you've been listening to for years. I know Gary and Cole have had many discussions on abject suffering that they would probably not have with a complete stranger, yet they are on the internet for anyone to listen to. Uh, Have you or any of the other DuckFeed hosts had issues with listeners getting too familiar, not respecting boundaries, or otherwise not realizing that, at the end of the day, they are complete strangers to you? No specifics are necessary, of course. I am curious. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I have, yeah. you know, no, nobody's stalked me or anything like that, but there, this is when, when somebody, uh, you know, I, I talk a lot on Twitter and i I bet you people get annoyed by this, but about kind of like Twitter etiquette, yeah, like if I see a yeah. good thread that somebody has about like, Hey, when should you reply?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: a There's lot a... of it is really related to this because it's like, if you might be making, if I don't know you and you're making mm-hmm. a joke and it seems like it might not be a joke. Keep in mind, I don't know you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, the, this, I, I noticed this, like I noticed the parasocial nature of when we meet people at live events a little mm-hmm. bit and, you know, somebody will say, oh my gosh, I'm, I, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so nervous. Um, yeah, you know, if you, you know, yeah, I feel, I hear your voices and I feel like I know all these details about you and. Here I am just like a random nobody. And I think that like if you're listening, like personally, if you ever felt or expressed doubt, like, hey, am I pushing this boundary or I want to avoid pushing that boundary? You are just by asking that question of yourself in the good category. <laughs> yeah. Not pushing the boundary. Right. Like, just right. have
1: have some self-awareness about it. Yeah. You know, like if, if uh, we, we do those public things because we want to meet people. Mm-hmm. I'm on Twitter partly because I like interacting with people. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's not a problem. I'm not saying that is bad in any way. Like yeah. we're going to meet a bunch of people at Duck Fest. It's going to mm-hmm. be awesome. Yeah. Um. But it's just, just keep in mind. Like you just always know. Like introduce yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you, you know, you treat it like you're meeting somebody because that, mm-hmm. that's what you're doing. Like yeah. even if you do know a lot of stuff and like we're both, you know, pretty open about fairly intimate things
3: mm-hmm.
1: online. Like I'm aware of that. That's by you know that's intention. Yep. You know by by intention. Um. The uh, just keep in mind though that like it's uh. You know, in per like, it's not not a two way street. Yeah. So in person, it might feel a little bit different. Like even something that I brought up on the show, like if you just like lead with it, it's like, well, I know it was on the show. It's not mm-hmm. technically a secret. Yeah. I also just met you though. So like, take a second to curate mm-hmm. our feelings or whatever, and like, make sure we're all cool. Yeah. yeah. You know, just want to be, everybody be cool.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, I so. feel like this has the, the this problem has lessons. Um, Hmm. paradoxically, paradoxically, even as the audience has grown, just because learning to manage boundaries, um, and and learning how to, you know, not, not be freaked out by the parasocial, the parasocial relationship, um, is a skill that gets better as you go along, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, kind of no, knowing how not to, uh, encourage it, I guess, accidentally. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And setting those boundaries is really hard. Yeah. know, uh, in general, because you want to be nice and you don't want to take it for granted that like it's in some ways, like if it is not its own blessing, it is a side effect of a blessing that people even want that. Yes. You know, that people, uh you know, have that familiarity or are interested. Like that's ultimately tied to a really great thing mm-hmm. that that we're very lucky to have. Yeah, yeah. You know, so pushing back into that can be very difficult. Like I never want someone to feel bad. Right. Right. right? But sometimes like. It's like, oh, you know, you just you, you just message a lot. I can't, mm-hmm. you know, I just <laughs> don't, I just don't have the, the time for it. And it's, it's quite not because I don't like you or that it's <laughs> yeah. bad. It's because I don't, you know, I don't know you, and and it's it's uh, I'm also just doing my life, yeah, yeah. Know, know. At the same time, like it's you know, and, and I'm not saying that they don't, you know, they're not doing their own life or anything like that, but it mm-hmm. is it is that parasocial relationship that is more intimate one way than the other. Yeah, yeah,
0: you know, um, you know, and and there 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 have been you know there have been times like you know uh you know this this is how we met Jala you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and she, great. She, yeah, she, she's great yeah she's fantastic yeah
1: so you know we we had him on a show but we became mm-hmm. friends like he wasn't like you know he like didn't start because of being a fan right you know but was and like mm-hmm. Jeremy's like one of my best friends like I love Jeremy yeah um, you know, so we, it, it can like transcend, it just has to be treated like a, like with some emotional intelligence, Yeah, yeah. I think like as a as a relationship,
0: mm-hmm. you, know, you for, know, for, 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 for Jala on the level, you know, she was just has been an engaged fan for, you know, she had been an engaged fan for years and years. Um, mm-hmm. and just her really good attitude and general, just like ability to add to the conversation was like, yeah, like you're, you're actually like a really good fit on here. You know, it's like, yeah, this this makes perfect sense. So that is a case I didn't know her from Adam. And then, Mm -hmm. yeah, bring her on. (laughs) It's it's good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The uh, very cool. Mm -hmm. You know, it it is generally really, really cool that people like Jala and Jeremy and and, and can come on Mm -hmm. and everything. Uh, It is just uh, something to be treated with just like some kid gloves and self-awareness, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It is. It is really weird as a, as a dude to say like, yeah, sometimes there are reply guy problems. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's kind of what it is. And it, it always feels again, I feel bad about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But setting up that boundaries, like when you talked about getting better at it, like I just have definitely have gotten to where it's like, well, I don't respond to everything. Mm-hmm. Like if, if it's something I don't, uh, don't have anything to say about, Yeah. you know, I, I tamp down the feeling like I should be gracious that people even care what I have to think and mm-hmm. start thinking, well, like also though I'm a person and my time is valuable. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't. You know, it's, that's not a condemnation. It's certainly not a subtweet of anybody. No, it is just the the case. There are more of you know? than there are of us. <laughs> yeah, they are, That's basically it. Yeah. So never want anyone to feel bad about tweeting or coming up and meeting us. You should definitely come introduce yourself. Just mm-hmm. we're you know we're not scary. We just uh, just be you know be nice and be be cool. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Be cool. And everybody, uh, real do, life and online. Good. Yeah. Uh, let's do our three lightning round questions and get to the topic. Yes. Just because these will be lightning fast. Uh did you watch Pet Cemetery 2019?
0: <laughs> so Kanaka bread did I just yeah. watch Pet C- Pet Cemetery 2019? Oh yeah. So some somebody responded maybe. Uh yeah. and yes, maybe. Um I have not seen it. I'm curious about it just as part of the broader Stephen King revival. Uh the original is one of the scariest movies I've ever seen and I'm I I'm kind of kind of a little, little uh
1: reticent. Yeah, it's not supposed to be good. Yeah. Uh, and in the trailer, they don't – the, the dead is better line is totally mangled. Mm. It's just like sometimes dead is better. Mm, <laughs>
3: like, no. Just, they said it like
1: it's talking about peanut butter. But <laughs> like, like, you know, it's because rich crackers have three kinds of salt. Like, <laughs> it, it's, yeah. it's, really,
2: it's really limp.
0: Yeah. So, uh, let's see here. Stuart says, uh, what percentage of the time that Cole asks, do you want me to cut that last part out, does Gary actually
1: say yes? Twenty-five. Yeah. Um, um, and usually when I
0: ask that, it's a joke.
1: Yes. <laughs> yep. But every once in a while, you know, 25% of the total times it's, it's actually set on air, 0% of the times you guys hear. Yes. Um, the uh, And what are your opinions on Warhammer 40K's tabletop play, video games, universe, and fan base, says Andy Ward um i have never played warhammer 40k i have played uh, a lot of iron kingdoms which is an rpg that is related to warhammer warhammer and it is the most mechanically tight and satisfying tabletop rpg i've ever played mm-hmm. uh, i really love it uh and but i have not actually played warhammer itself
0: yeah it's a huge uh huge blind spot for me Mm-hmm. And at this point, it is too intimidating to even approach. I understand that the um, what the Dawn of War games or whatever, those uh, tactical, tactical strategy games are actually really good that are set in the mm-hmm. 40k universe. Um, but um, like that, that might be my entry point. But yeah, as far as the universe and stuff goes, I've heard really sh- shitty things about um, Games Workshops kind of business practices. Yeah, that scare me off of kind of engaging with the actual tabletop play even if I did play tabletop stuff. So I'm not part of the audience. Uh, And the universe kind of seems like that's a bunch of satire that a lot of people really embrace unironically, you know, space fascists. Woo. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know there's a lot of battle nuns. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Looking at this also, just looking online, just an issue of minor correction is I don't think there's, maybe there's not a, uh, an official, iron kingdoms to warhammer comparison mm. i think that they are more like similar systems but they are not made by the same people doesn't look like there's an official connection yeah, i think yeah. that when it was originally pitched to me somebody said oh it's like you know it's, it's related to warhammer and they've just meant in terms of gameplay not in terms of like official and i just kind of kludge those two facts together yeah yeah in my brain so mm-hmm. i have not even really uh touched it but yeah in that case mm-hmm. um, it's, it's just
0: a blind spot for me just like forgotten realms is a blind spot for you know lots of people who yeah. play warhammer it's fine
1: yeah, nothing, uh, nothing wrong with that. But yeah, I'm not, a, not necessarily getting. It. Even though the company is shitty, like I've, you know, a lot of companies are shitty. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't stop me from playing like Vermintide. Yeah, looks really cool, and like I'm interested in. Oh my I gosh, haven't got a chance.
0: Yeah, Jella and David have been playing a lot of Vermintide with some fans recently, um, it looks and rad. it sounds really
1: good. Oh my yeah, god, yeah, it sounds incredible. Like yeah. I just haven't played it. So yeah, yeah it sounds super cool. Like I'll, I'll play it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh,
0: let's do the glitch one.
1: Indeed, uh, this is our topic for this episode. Uh, this comes from Matthew Woodyard. Woodyard, uh, And they say. possible long-form topic, games that are broken or glitchy. You would like to discuss games in spite of any technical flaws because they may not be reproduced 100% of the time and it's not subtracting from the spirit of the game. You do touch on glitches or bugs that you run into from time to time, though, uh, and I think it might be worth taking a look at uh, just how bad it needs to get before it's just impossible not to consider. Possible topics for discussion on that front might include the goofy goofy faces of Mass Effect Andromeda uh, and every 3D Sonic the Hedgehog game. Also worth discussing are times when glitches are uh, objectively improving a game, a la Skyrim. Thanks! Shout out to Monster My Podcast for being uh, his favorite and possibly underrated show on the network. Thank you. I thanks. Yeah, I would say it's probably underrated. Yeah, listen to Monster My Podcast. People. Please do. Uh, it sure.
0: is. A, it, yeah, it's a very it's a very small time investment.
1: Yeah, if you wanted a slightly smarter everything to guppy. <laughs> Monster the, My Podcast. The the, <laughs> the, the, yeah. the the
0: the food may be okay, but the portions are manageable. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the portions are modest, yeah. um yeah, let's talk about glitches,
0: yeah, um, so I think that to draw some boundaries around this, what I think falls a little bit outside of this would be something like the uh um audio reproduction or some of the um some of the kind of battle system things in say the game boy advance uh, remakes of the Final Fantasy games.
1: Those are, like, those are like port issues yeah those are like port like, issues the sloppy porting yeah you know? yeah yeah for sure this is i think that this is you know we can define it mm-hmm. i feel like people probably have a like a, a intuitive idea yes yeah what you I mean by this but I like an I, unintended you know effect in a game that is not just you know slop mm-hmm. you know like the the shitty character yeah. portraits on the port of final fantasy six on ios are not a glitch right right but it's sloppy and lazy and shitty yeah this is you know this is stuff like the weird faces in mass effect andromeda or yeah, yeah. in san andreas when you can bicycle in the air
0: right um ad- additionally kind of at the very far end of this um something that absolutely is a deal breaker is uh glitches that um halt progress uh um, yeah. or erase progress
1: well, let's let's talk about that because yeah. th- I think that that counts. You know, it's at the far end; it's a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. But I think it's worth uh, worth discussing. Yeah. Um. So if we're we're kind of creating a spectrum of like bother. Yes. Right. So like that is obviously the the Vorpal glitch. You know, is, yeah. is something that stops you from being able to continue the game. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um. Uh, and I can't think about that without thinking about the launch experience of Volley New Vegas. Yeah. Right? Where there are people who still have a vendetta against that game, even though those issues have been smoothed out, at least on modern systems. I don't yeah. know if the PS3 version was ever fixed, um, but um, that still colors their experience of the game. And if you didn't have that experience, um, they're baffled that you will uh, yeah. continue giving the game shrift when, when it when it I, did them bad.
1: And I think that's what Matthew's kind of getting at is like, when is it appropriate for that to be kind of a part of an evaluation? Yes, you know, we're part of a a critical evaluation and it's really tricky because a lot of times for those things. Um, so for new Vegas, um, I just didn't experience that like at all. Mm -hmm. Like I had to read about it online and it is counterintuitive to the extreme for me to think my, you know, my thoughts on new Vegas are worse because somebody I've never met had a game breaking (laughs) glitch. Yeah. You know, like, yes, that sucks objectively, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but, uh, since it is something that can be patched out, like it always feels, you know, we talked about that a lot, which Matthew also references, like it feels like it should not be something that is like, it's, it's too impermanent yeah. to be kind of part of an evaluation, but it's also not part of my experience right. in that case as well, you know? And that's, that, it's very interesting. Like it, it's, this question like gets at the, the heart of like, you know, an attempt at an objective evaluation versus, uh, an experiential kind of account. Yeah. You know, and and glitches can definitely, you know, if a glitch if a glitch is widespread, and everyone's having this uh, progress or or that that gap, you can't jump over into the Ninja Turtles.
0: Yeah, yeah. Game
1: on that you know, on that port of the Ninja NES Ninja Turtles game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like that that makes the game worse. Yeah, you know that sucks. That's universal. It's it's everywhere. Like everyone who plays it has that experience. It's not cosmetic. Uh, you know, it stops you from beating the game. Yeah, that's horrible. You know that tanks the game.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and it becomes a part of the story of the game too, because yeah. it is so widespread. Because it is, you know, inseparable from the thing itself. No. yeah.
1: But it, but if it's if it's a progress block blocking thing that you know a smaller percentage of people get mm-hmm. that, like yes, that sucks for them. Like they had a bad experience with the game, but it's hard for me to blame New Vegas for that. Right. You know, it's it's like the 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 aspects of a game that uh, are permanent that cannot be you know, that are not changed, mm-hmm. that are not fixed, like feel more important to something's critical evaluation to me. Like, you know, I, we said this a bunch of times too. I think it's generally a good thing that games are a medium that can be updated. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that happens sometimes like DVD releases or later releases of films, but it happens most with games. games. Mm. Um, it's good. It's good that you can fix it. Yeah. After the, after the case, <laughs> it's bad when developers take advantage of that. It's bad if developers like push something out they don't know is not, good and and throw on a billion day one patches mm-hmm. like that sucks but if the the very fact that it can be done is not inherently bad
0: yeah yeah oh. um you know g- looking at like the mass effect andromeda problem that's a game that i haven't played but i really want to um mm-hmm. just because it's more mass effect and it has been a very long time uh since i've since, since i've dipped into that i think that that falls a little bit more into the aspect of personal taste um, and how resilient is your suspension of disbelief? So Mass Effect Andromeda, um, animation glitches or strange faces that falls into the category of something that just wouldn't bother me because for as good as those face faces and animations were, you know, in Mass Effect two, that was never the selling point. That was never the selling point for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that that gets into how, you know, how much do you value polish in a, in, or- in a way.
1: Or or how robust or fragile uh is your immersion. Yes. Yeah. You know, your sense of immersion, like and not with like not loaded terms mm-hmm. for those, but just kind of like what uh to what degree is mm-hmm. that kind of thing, you know, and I think that some of this is probably um at least partially like a generational thing. Yeah. Like I am used to a layer of abstraction in my games, uh between my things, not even getting close to approaching any kind of realistic face. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like the faces in Deus Ex look fine to me. Yeah. You know, and those are, those look worse or less like a face than any yeah. of, like, I'm looking up, I didn't really know about the Mass Effect Andromeda faces thing. So I, you know, Google image search, Mass Effect Andromeda faces. Mm-hmm. And like, they're not great models. No. You know, they're they're pretty goofy, but it's like this would this would never bother me in a million years.
0: Yeah. Like I don't feel slighted that that, that, that that that's the case. Right. And I wouldn't have felt slighted if that was the case in Mass Effect Two. Like what matters to me is kind of the gestalt of, you know, what's what's happening, as opposed to really, really just kinda of getting that one thing, you know, stuck as a pebble in my shoe. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 And it looks like this is something that again also got patched. Yes. Yeah. You know, so uh, they like they fixed it. Mm-hmm you know so it it it, it, it was, wouldn't bother me in the first place very much and ultimately don't affect the legacy of the game to me very much yeah you know mm-hmm. um so like a, a, an aesthetic glitch like that is never going to bother me personally. and in
0: fact, when a game glitches out, I think it's charming in a way, you yeah, know, yeah. like again, speaking back to personal taste, you know, and this gets to matthew's Skyrim example, but like, yeah, when you get thrown all the way into the air by the by by, by the giants that's that's them taking a bug and just saying, "Ah, well, maybe that just happens, you yeah. know it, having somebody like you know spinning a circle in a corner that is really funny to me sure
1: like the the doctor in new vegas's head rotating on his uh <laughs> his neck axis and like stretching out and growing yeah he you know, it moved move towards me and stuff like you know so that, that that's what i saw yeah it uh, happened to me in game and i was just holy shit <laughs> like it, it feels a little bit like a blessing to me yeah when it happens because you don't always get to see it and it's a really fun thread like on, on something awful or whatever mm-hmm. the, the game glitch thread um that's really good um you know in general the stuff is pretty funny to me. Mm-hmm. And I guess like when I project or when I try to think of like, who would be sensitive to it? Like, what would, what would be different about me if this bothered me? Yeah. Um, And it's like, I would care more about polish. Like it'd be something where like, I just like was like, no, this is kind of unprofessional and shoddy. Yeah. This work. Uh, I would care, uh, you know, significantly more about immersion. Like my immersion would be, Something that like even like immersion in a game is not like a core value to me. Like I I like an immersive experience quite a bit, but like I'm always aware I'm playing a game and I like that. I like I like games that know their games, like games that present as games. Mm -hmm. I've always hated the move that games need to be more like movies or more like real life. I want a game to feel like a video game.
0: You you beat Um, you beat me to a to a key point. I I don't like being or I don't dislike being reminded that I'm playing a video game. You know, yeah. and that this is a digital, a digital artifice that I'm engaging yep. with. Like that is, that is fine with me.
1: It's, it's a reason why I've been, you know, there's multiple reasons why I have been very slow to, to care about VR. Mm-hmm. And that's one of them. Yeah. I like looking at a screen, sitting in a chair, looking over at seeing the stuff on my desk, mm-hmm. looking down at pocket. Like I don't want to be locked in to anything really, you know, it doesn't, I don't need to be the protagonist. Yeah. You know, like sometimes we talk about moments of that kind of connection, like, you know, doing a long combat string and feeling that connection to your character. Right. You're like, oh, I'm like a like a 25 hits in a row on Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, there's this connection between me and my controller and the, the guy. But I don't need to be the guy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm happy with the controller to always be there, always feel that weight in my hand. Yeah. Um. You know, so that immersion doesn't bother me. So when something just interferes with that artifice, mm-hmm. you know, and a character looks a little goofy or a character makes a weird noise. Um and this is this is I'm purely talking about aesthetic glitches, like nothing that actually impacts like readability or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. But just like an aesthetic glitch, like this character looks goofy or this character like T poses for a second. <laughs> like it feels like a blessing. Yeah. Like it feels you know, it feels just like, oh okay.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those little moments when God winks at you. Yeah,
1: yeah. Exactly. You know? And if, if if it does affect things, uh actually infect my experience, like like an audio glitch that makes uh words sound garbled or something, so I don't understand what's happening. And that portion of dialogue, like, that sucks.
0: Oh, but even some of those, I mean, we talked about this when we talked fun. about, we talked about that during The Witcher, when the, yeah. scene, the scene with the tapestry uh tags, uh yeah, just, yeah. like, just, it, it lacked all VO as they were talking. Um Yeah, yeah like, that was super
1: creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes that can be either creepy or fun on its own, and yeah. it's always, because we live in the, this world where there's no information that's hidden to us we can just mm-hmm. get that information yeah like the worst case scenario that happens in that is i have to like watch a youtube of that scene to get mm-hmm. the dialogue or yeah. whatever and that sucks like that's inconvenient i don't think it's good mm-hmm. it's just not that weighted very heavily for me right you know if it happens every time that sucks but the other thing is like games are so democratic and i play most of my video games on, on pc mm-hmm. someone's fixed it yep like you know, nine times out of ten, even if the developer didn't patch it in, like somebody's fixed it. Yeah, you know, it just they just feel like temporary problems to me mm-hmm. in a really, really strong way.
0: Yeah, um, you know, and when the glitch does get in the way of play, so referring to the three D Sonic games, you know, I had a copy of Sonic Adventure two where the last level of Shadows Campaign uh, was like nearly impossible to beat. Like finishing it was a glitch, as opposed to as opposed to the intended result. Um, according to that disc, because like there was just a surface, there was a rail that was marked as, you know, basically not, not being uh clippable, right? Mm-hmm. You would just fly through it and you would have to find an exploit to get around it. Uh, that sucks. That is shoddy. That gets in the way of actual play. It stops you from finishing. And that is, you know, very different, you know, it is, it is, it is more similar to the game ending bug or the yeah. impossible to finish, you know, making something, a bug that makes things impossible to finish.
1: Yeah, it definitely depends on how much friction yeah. is is being applied. And the mm-hmm. ultimate friction is being unable to finish the game. Yeah. That's enough friction to, to put you to a stop. Mm-hmm. But being slowed down a little bit doesn't bother me. And if it doesn't slow me down at all, yeah. bring them on. You know, I brought it up a bunch of times, but like the first time I played Fallout 3, which is the first Game Brio engine, like I'd never played any of the Elder Scrolls games before Fallout 3. Yeah. Um and having the uh the the Murloc. Or not the Murloc, the uh, Mirelurk, mm-hmm. that I killed in the uh, one of the endless subway tunnels, <laughs> uh, glitching out and splashing. And the whole time I was exploring the dungeon, I felt like something was stalking me because I had the ambient sound of something splashing around in the water, uh-huh. and it was awesome. Like I eventually, I was like, "There's nothing on my radar. What the fuck is going on?" I eventually <laughs> tracked it down, and the corpse was just glitching out, splashing in the water, and. Again, like I can imagine a mindset that gets mad at that, Mm -hmm. but I'm just so far from that person. Yeah, like that's awesome. Like, I was super scared. This is dumb as hell. Let's go, you know, let's go save my dad. (laughs) Let's go see what three dogs up to. Yeah. You know? Um, Yeah.
0: Uh, I had a kind of kind of a similar experience the first time that I played um, Silent Hill uh, Shattered Memories uh when i, you know, mm-hmm. the Wii, the Wii Silent Hill game or remake of the first one put a pin in that um <laughs> uh getting to in one of the final dungeons it's like an apartment building and it's one of the more complicated uh dungeons that has a really kind of chaotic nonsensical hallways rearranging themselves kind of thing mm-hmm. um i clipped through a uh, a staircase and i just kind of, you know, fell into the blackness And, you know, no matter where I ran, Harry was just kind of like running around in a void. And I kept on doing that for like 10, 15 minutes, thinking that that was intentional, Mm
3: -hmm. thinking that
0: like, oh, yeah, like this might be like a house of leaves kind of thing. Like, like maybe 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 that is the culmination is that you're in the void and you go until there's a light. And like, no, actually, you just kind of like fell through the level Um, and and you're running and nothing. But it felt so of a piece with everything that like for those 10, 15 minutes, I was basically holding my breath waiting for something to break
1: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah knowing like that's, that's a good point though like there's knowing that something is a glitch mm-hmm. like it is so weird when something you know a game has a boundary box mm-hmm. that could include a lot of things that would be commonly you know be seen as glitches yeah you know and that's such a like i i also i mentioned uh this is not a glitch but when i first played arkham asylum uh and my computer was too slow to run it it went into slow-mo basically every time there was combat oh yeah <laughs> And I mentioned that before. Uh, yeah. And like, so I played it and I felt like, oh, this combat is just like super cinematic and slow. <laughs> like not super slow-mo, but like 20% slower. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is a stylistic choice uh, uh, that they made.
0: That reminds me um, of a story, uh, Kevin, from Video Games Hot Dog. When he first started playing Binding of Isaac back when it was, you know, back to Flash version and before it was really well optimized, his computer basically ran it at half speed and he did not know mm. that was the case. yeah. (laughs) so like Uh, he said yeah i don't i don't see what the problem is i got to mom or whoever the last boss was like oh yeah it's because you had double the time to react to stuff
1: yeah yeah you're playing in in bullet time yeah um yeah so yeah in general you're right like they don't tend to bother us i do think that we do think that they uh can be good Mm -hmm. um and uh there is definitely a line though yeah Uh, and that is a, a lot of friction you like crashes the desktop will bother me yeah as a thing i am pretty good with like old school pc save state discipline yeah you know but losing progress always sucks that's another thing that is like somewhere between the stopping progress and aesthetic glitch Mm -hmm. you know that's annoying if it happens enough that could actually be a real bother yeah
0: you know as when it makes you paranoid that every time you open a door it's going to dump you out
1: yeah, yeah yeah that can be uh can become intolerable, so it's just the am- amount of friction it can it can add mm-hmm. and the uh, people have different amounts of uh, tolerances for different aspects yeah so but we're we are we are both pretty chill about it mm-hmm. um thanks everybody for your questions. If you uh, did not get your question answered, it will be answered in either one of our cleanups or next months
2: mm-hmm.
1: and if you want to ask us questions uh for the September episode, become a patron go to patreon.com slash and uh, keep an eye out for that prompt and uh, we will let you know. When we're ready for more questions. Yeah.
0: Thank you everybody for coming on force on that one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We really do appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have your responses.
0: Two games. That we played
1: and talked about. That we played. <laughs> uh, so we're ready to chat about them. Yeah.
0: Um, I'll pick up here. Uh, so starting with responses about Final Fantasy five. Um, Robert says via contact, just a quick one from me. The main antagonist of Ultima three was called Exodus or translated for its Japanese release. Exodasu. Um, sorry if I mangled that, uh, X death is the extremely similar. Exudesu. Um, wh- <laughs> what, are the odds that X death was probably originally going to be called Exodus? Uh, but then they decided that throwing in a morbid English word would make him sound cool and deep to Japanese audience. Uh, I think it's likely and also very funny.
1: Definitely possible. Yeah, like, that, yeah. I did, that's I did, a thing that happens. Did not know that. Gratuitous yeah.
0: English is a thing in Japanese. I knew media. that
1: ultimate Ultimate Three was called Exodus. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew that was about the the antagonist, but I did not know that about the original name. No. Um. Yeah. The um. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean says, "Viva Portland." Um, <laughs> around. <laughs> I'm not count out here. <laughs> <laughs> your, your methods here. Uh, Sean says, this is from Portland. Around 2011, I made a real attempt to play every Final Fantasy in a year. Uh, it didn't really take, but I made it through 4, 5, and 6. One of the reasons for the replay was the Determiner ranking, something I've also kind of fallen out of the habit of doing, but since my replay of 5, it's consistently been at the bottom of my list. I've never really played 1 through 3, and 13 at least looks nice. The thing that hit me the hardest on this last replay was... The thing that Final Fantasy V is known for, the job system, is balanced especially poorly. Of course, I love being able to control my party's composition and make challenge runs with a party of only white mages or whatever. But for me, it almost always comes down to physical heavy attackers like the knight or fighter or an attack mage, a healer, and a wild card, usually a light attacker like a thief. Then at some point, I'd run up against a boss that was literally impossible that I could one-shot if I changed my party composition. To me, this means the decisions I'm making and who is doing what are essentially arbitrary. The game wants me to customize who does what to reflect my playstyle, but the battle system of the time doesn't allow you to tackle bosses in multiple ways, via weaknesses or gimmicks. What's worse, the story is the most generic, light warrior stuff the series can offer, with no real twist or originality. I have to wonder if most of the resources went into the job system, which turned out to be a dud. In other words, there's nothing to recommend this game i'm surprised to say that this is the final fantasy game i'm least likely to revisit in my lifetime oh well live and learn love the show as always and looking forward to seeing you guys again at duckfest and at prge is that happening this year
0: yes uh, yes we have a table yeah. we have a panel uh details yeah. to come
1: yeah i think i know uh which sean this is hey sean hi sean see you soon
0: Yep. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is that um, sean
1: yeah uh yeah it's it's interesting to think about that like i um, you know, we both like the puzzle of putting together a party composition for the bosses. Mm-hmm. But I I mentioned this earlier. I started replaying Final Fantasy Tactics, the superior game. Um, shortly after this, and I'm halfway through my playthrough. Mm-hmm. And uh there is uh something that Paul from the Slack introduced me, you know, to this concept I just hadn't thought I knew about, but I never really thought about, which is like growth versus strength kind of compositions hmm. in these games. Yeah. So like Elaborate. for the bosses in Final Fantasy V, you had to change your party to a strength party. But you're not gaining experience or AP for the growth you want yeah. during those things. So you kind of vacillate between those two modes. Yeah. You know, um, it bothers me less in Final Fantasy Tactics than it does here. Like, obviously, there's some nonsense like having to make, you know, put auto potion on Ramza and turn him into a ninja and et cetera for certain boss fights, things like that, mm-hmm. which suck. Uh, it doesn't happen uh, that often uh, in that game, but it is a problem both games have. And I think it's. Probably Something that's likely part of having that kind of job composition, yeah. You know, like making bosses that are approachable from every kind of job, um, would be a really, really tall order. Not In- saying it's not, it, you know, it's impossible, but I think right. it'd be very difficult.
0: Increasing the number of options and combinations you have kind of necessarily increases the number of wrong answers that you have to the question the boss is asking,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the, I, but I, there's also even, I know where I thought Sean was going with this is like dud classes oh, and yeah. dud abilities. Like the thing that struck me or one of the things that struck me when we replayed five was how many abilities are just absolutely horseshit, <laughs> you know, like I'm just like never, it's kind of cool that I'm equipping this,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you know, I'm getting, getting the skill on my ranger, but I'll never use it. Yeah. You know, I, I never used 80% of the stuff I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, you know, partly true again of of later games of job systems, but not as true. Which is a
0: shame because you that know, one I, encounter that you complained about, that thing you didn't use, would have been perfect for it.
1: I, I wish I had known. Yeah. The uh, if if only I had thought of that. <laughs> the uh, yeah, the animals ranger command. Yeah. <laughs> from uh, Final Fantasy V, uh, you know, summoning a squirrel to heal me for fifteen hit points um, would have been the the the, the deal maker. <laughs> yeah. You know and that yeah um
0: you know i i I think in a lot of ways this you know that what you're saying and what sean are saying come back to what we talked about in the generalities which is that death is kind of built into the loop you know um of taking on some of the harder bosses where you go in with what you think is your with your best guess at what is going to be strong for this and you find out how you were wrong and then come back and try it again with something that is more Mm. optimal um that's just it's part of the game
1: yeah yeah yep yep um, um, Yeah. Let's see here. But, uh, uh, what does uh, Doug say?
0: Doug says, Viva Contact. Um, Thank full, you. Full disclosure, I haven't played FF5, but your episode got me thinking about random encounters and GRPs generally, and how this aspect of the genre could be improved from the perfunctory time tax that they seem to be. Generally, a single random battle with scrub enemies can be overcome with simply tapping A. But the best GRP dungeons function better when the aggregate of the random battles can be viewed through the lens of wave combat and survival horror. Uh, If the game mets out challenge and resources judiciously, then the random battles will, over time, soften up the party for the looming boss battle. Uh, That would make the player have to make more careful considerations about how to balance tactical decisions during the run-up to that climactic fight. The other option is to uh, is to expand on something like 9 does. In Final Fantasy 9, your character earns permanent upgrade perks by earning AP tied to particular weapons or armor. This can incentivize your character to persevere with a suboptimal loadout at least temporarily until the perk is earned. Again, these solutions are not perfect, but it shows that there that there are ways to implement mechanics that increase the gameplay value of random encounters beyond tap tappa tap.
1: Yeah, I, I I think that this um, some of this stuff came up because this has been a perennial Slack talk top topic. Yes, for a while, and like both of these ideas, I think sound cool in theory. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, both of them would still just have the problem of you just doing too much of it. Yeah, right. So like in Final Fantasy IX, there are just too many encounters. Like, yes, you sometimes have suboptimal equipment, mm-hmm. so you you still mostly still just have to tap A, right? Yeah. Like, just because you know it just takes uh, more rounds to trying yeah, it just takes a couple more rounds and a couple more healing potions at the end. Mm-hmm. Like it ends up being a little bit more of a resource tax, yeah. you know, because I have that suboptimal equipment. But like you're still just doing too many fights mm-hmm. that you don't have to be engaged with. Like and like if you so then the, the first idea, which would tie up that resource thing, you know, so you have to be careful. Like one, I think it's really tricky because you could it would be very frustrating to get to the end of that gauntlet and then get to the boss and not have enough resources to beat them and have to do the whole thing over again. Yeah. Uh, which would be like an intolerable thing. And two, uh, why do it as waves upon waves of survival horror combat mm-hmm. when you could do it as, you know, so th- this is a D and D principle. Yeah. Like in D and D, you know, you plan your encounters, like you have a boss encounter, but the encounters leading up to it are there to soften up the party. Like yeah. in D and D, you are not meant to go into the final fight of a, a session generally with full resources.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, could, and could, a full Kyle, Kyle, Kyle brings this up a little bit later. I just want to,
1: Oh, okay. Um, make sure. That's, yeah, that's, it's, yeah. So why, why not in this case and what Doug's talking about specifically, and we'll, you know, we'll talk about how this relates to what Kyle says as well. But like what Doug's saying specifically, when I just have one fight mm-hmm. that is designed to, to drain your resources. That's really yeah. hard and really demanding. Then you have the boss fight. Yeah. Like doing it as waves over aggregate, like is just requiring me to round something up uh, and do it. You know, there's not really an advantage to doing it that way. Uh you know, even if it is other than, like, possibly just thinking of it differently, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know? You know. And, you know, I, I think that me and the the, the artists uh, behind the group TLC are really similar in a lot of ways, but chief among them, no
1: scrubs. Yeah. You know? No scrubs. Yeah. If if I don't need to be here for a battle, don't make me fight it. Yep. Ever. Yep. Period. Like, end of sentence. Like, yeah. none. Never. No. And, 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 no. No. And, and, no. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Fuck. I, I, I fu- no. I fell.
0: I fell asleep watching political YouTube last night, and every time I do that, I wake up to fucking Bill Maher.
1: <laughs> nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> the nightmare of Bill Maher. That I have to see what you want, but they're bloodthirsty. <laughs> it's a bloodthirsty religion. God damn it, <laughs> Like all religions, shut up. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. So then I have to go through and, and cut that out of my history, so he doesn't come back again. Oh. If it was yeah, just so one that, channel, I could say no interest. But no, it's people like re-uploading, like reposting. Going, yeah, doing like compilations yeah. and stuff. Uh, yeah. That 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 is not uh, to the topic. Uh, you know, a lot of people have come to us. Uh, you know, with with games that you know JRPGs that have gotten around this to you know, to to a certain extent, or other other um, ways that they've tried to mitigate it. You know, um, Persona Five has come up uh, on the on the Patreon um mm-hmm. kind of comments as 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 a way that's fixed this that's not a game that i played but you know i'll believe people um yeah when they when they say it does make a difference you know but yeah if i don't need it, to be here give me give me the earthbound like you know just yeah, say yeah, yeah you give won me, give me the experience
1: earthbound fixed it yeah you know like it, it, it's it's one of it, the things too that this has come up with like where people come with those examples and i do appreciate it right because i mm-hmm. want people to tell me about other systems Yeah. i like thinking about game systems um but they always like answer a part of it yeah. Like, I think about Persona games, even the ones I played, right? And I like them because they are not mindless. Uh, You know, like, they tend to be pretty hard. Status effects work like they don't start out crushingly difficult, but they eventually get pretty tricky where you have to be mindful. Mm-hmm. There's still too many encounters. Yeah. You know, like it answers one problem, yeah. but you're still spending too many times doing scrub fights and not enough times doing like story fight. Yeah. Kind of things. And again, just because it's the best Final Fantasy game, making a that point, that's one of the things I love about Final Fantasy Tactics is like you can go and intentionally get random encounters. For the most part, though, every fight has a reason to happen. Yeah. Like it's carrying the plot along. Mm-hmm. And what that means is having way fewer fights, which is something the genre doesn't want to do. You know, like there are there are comparatively way fewer fights in Final Fantasy Tactics. There's maybe like 10 or 12 per chapter. Yeah. You know, so it's like 50 fights. But they all advance the plot. hmm You know, and that's just like, that's great. Yeah. Why, who could argue with that? Like, why is that bad? <laughs> you know? Um, and there's no reason not to match that to, or try to match that to a JRPG structure.
0: Um, have you played Cosmic Star no. Heroin? I have not. Yeah. Um, um, I heard
1: mixed things. It looks cool and I like Z-Boyd, but. Yeah,
0: yeah. But the, 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 that is a game that at least leans on it. it, it every battle I'm I i I'm led to believe is one of those set pieces, is, is, is meaningful. Uh, so it hmm. takes JRPG combat, but it, you know, it puts it to where like, yes, this is what this room is about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And you know, into that. and mm-hmm. like that. That game's been on this for a long time. I know that uh, my, yep. is a really big fan mm-hmm. of that game. And I've liked what uh, Z has done with, with JRPG combat in the past. Yes. So, yeah, I'm um, sure. So I don't mean to just like be like, Oh, I'm shooting down your ideas, Doug. I just, I think that like, kind of not too, not enough.
0: I mean, all all, you know, all like, of those like like your your ideas address part of it, and what, what we're looking for is like a systemic,
1: you know. Yes, a, a, a holistic solution. Yeah. To the to the JRPG problem, like I played nine. I like that you have to do that. You, know, you mm-hmm. have to switch up equipment. Yeah. It's still just too many encounters. Yep. Um. Yeah. Uh. This is me. Yes. Uh, Caleb says via contact. Viva contact. Uh Final Fantasy wasn't a series I played as a kid, so I picked up a bunch of them a couple years ago and been playing them on and off since I saw, or playing them on and off since I saw that you were doing Final Fantasy V for the show. And I went, oh, I played that one. I unfortunately can't think of anything more damning to say about it, however, than that literally every time I tried to remember anything about the game before listening to the episode, I can only remember two things: it had a job system. And it was the one with the evil tree. (laughs) Everything else had completely fled my memories in the two years since I'd played the game. And the few times I thought I remembered something, I had to correct myself because I was actually thinking of three. (laughs) I don't remember disliking the game at all while playing, but absolutely nothing about the experience stuck with me. And even now, after listening to the first episode, only bits and pieces are surfacing. I can't think that bodes well for my estimation of the game in the coming years. I had a very similar experience replaying it. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, I totally forgot this even happened. Uh Uh-huh. You know, big things. And I just like, I don't remember that.
0: Yeah. No. So so she sacrifices herself a bunch of times for the windrake? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, Final Fantasy five is absolutely like the, uh, the, it's the photograph from back to the future. It just, it just fades out.
1: hmm <sighs> Yeah. So. Oh, well. Agreed. And,
0: you know, like, and, and I'm in the same boat as Caleb. I don't think it's you know, egregious or hateful. It's not like it is not fun to play. You know, on, on, Mm -hmm. on the balance is just, you know, it's an interesting discussion, you know, what, like is, is, uh, you know, it's sufficient, but not necessary. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I would say fully half of it is not fun to play. Yeah. Like up until you get a few jobs is not fun. And then the final third is not fun. That's so, you know, like on the balance, like there are fun individual encounters and stuff. Mm -hmm in yeah. there but on the balance that's when it's not fun there is a middle section that is good
0: yeah but but again it goes back to being inert. if half of it's unfun and the other half is fun then it is back to neutral yeah yeah,
1: yeah. I, I i could instead uh shuffle cards and stare at a wall yeah yeah you know? <laughs> so, yeah you know, sinisterly yeah of course yeah.
0: practicing for your tricks yeah yep gary's trick when, when 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 do you think you're gonna break into trying to do magic yourself
1: i uh that's a good question yeah um I watch a bunch of YouTubes about it. Okay. Uh I have a, a deck of like nice cards. Uh, mm, nice for starts. that just because I like the feeling of them. Okay, they're yeah. they're very nice. Like they feel really good. They're very smooth. Um I don't know that I have the dexterity for it.
3: Mm-hmm. Like
1: as somebody who uh types and plays video games and plays keyboard, like I think that I have above average manual dexterity. I don't know that I have like you know cardistry, sleight of hand dexterity. Yes. I can get into it. Like maybe I will. Yeah, well. maybe I will. Cole, That's the choice. Duckfeed uh, two or Duckfast two uh, <laughs> feature my my close up magic <laughs> show. I actually was going to do. There's an open mic uh, at a place called Helium, mm-hmm. and I had, I bought a uh, or like an ex girlfriend. Uh, my ex girlfriend Elizabeth bought me a children's magic kit mm. uh, at one point, and I was going to set that up on a bench up on the stage, and it's all incredibly tiny. Like chintzy tricks.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Uh for the for the stand up thing and just do them as if everyone could see them. <laughs> and then just like bow really exaggeratedly when you like, you know, had the the cup with the false bottom and just hide the the ball in it. <laughs> but the idea being it's so far away from anybody that they won't really know what's happening. <laughs> uh, and I, I never did it, but that was the, the idea for my anti comedy open mic night. Yeah. Uh, that's good. So yeah. And that was funny. <laughs> and and not do it.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Kyle says via contact, I wanted to respond uh, to the point about random encounters in D and D recent D and D certainly downplay them. But if you go back and look at the playstyles around old school, basic and expert D and D, they're core to the game. This is especially true in hex crawls, which is where JRP- which is where the JRPG overworld map mechanics came from. The crucial difference is that random encounters in basic and expert or BNX uh, do not necessarily involve combat. And in fact, game mechanics strongly discourage the PCs from engaging in combat. Each encounter will include not only monsters, but also interesting environmental details and uh, disposition for both sides. Uh, Maybe you meet a plant person who is interested in trading or conversation, or is just running away from another monster. Whatever you roll up, it is uh, more interesting than the cornmeal approach of JRPGs. Many JRPGs try to mimic this with ambushes and other encounter types, but inevitably, uh, these all just become slightly different forms of cornmeal. I think that video games—I uh, think the video games that got closest to this type of encounter system were Fallout One and Two. Uh, they're certainly still limited by the medium, but they were pushing in the right direction. Unfortunately, in JRPGs, monsters are nothing more than cool art assets and stat blocks to be mowed down like an overgrown front lawn. Um, uh, this certainly gets to something at the core of D and D slaughtering hordes of anonymous others, but it fails to capture what makes random encounters such a joy at the table. I'd encourage anyone listening to give an OSR hex crawl or, uh, or point crawl a try, uh, and find out what they are missing.
1: Yeah, I, this isn't, it's funny cause this is, um, this is all good. Mm-hmm. I think I know which Kyle this is. Yes. It is. Kyle is good. Um, the, uh, I don't feel like this is, it, it's kind of positioned as like, uh, a response to, cause I, this is largely what we said. I think we said that it wasn't as important to D like it was part of D and D, but it wasn't as core to the experience mm-hmm. as, as this. But I think we, we mentioned it coming from and kind of misadapting, oh, yeah. uh, this from D and D, you know, and it's like, it kind of depends on, you know, so maybe in the, the original ones, when I came into D and D, which was like first edition, second edition stuff, mm-hmm. Like, uh, we played a lot of modules, and the modules would have a random encounter table for travel, but it would not be the meat of the module. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, it's possible before that there were more, like, just kind of crawling across the earth mm-hmm. uh, kind of adventures that this is referring to. Yeah. But I definitely agree, like, that it is – that is the key difference between those random encounters, right? Like, mm-hmm. even in D&D, like, not even if you – you know, even if you don't talk, you can run without consequence. Yeah. You know, like it is, it is unlikely to fail or cost you money or yeah. end up being making you underpowered for a boss. Yeah. You know, in in like a D and D because you run into a hippogriff mm-hmm. uh, on the way to something.
0: Yeah, so. it's, a, it's it's it. A, you know, it seems like like you said it's a botched adaptation, it's a botched execution. You know, where the interesting yeah. thing is having different problems to solve, and they're like, "Ooh, uh, combat—that's a problem you can solve. Let's do it over and over again."
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And game, it's interesting to thinking about this through the lens of games because, like, you know, that is one of the, uh, and this is less true every day, but, at, you know, the, like the violence in games kind of discussion, one aspect of it is that, like, games are good at modeling combat because combat is full of binary states. Mm-hmm. You know, it is full of, of, you know, somebody like, oh, this weapon does this and this person can have this done to them this many times. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's very easy to break down combat into numbers, which is something computers are good at. Yeah. You know, Computers are good at relational geometry, right? Like tactical positions of things. They're less good at modeling, like the human mind, modeling, you know, this conversation with this plant person who maybe wants to trade, Mm -hmm. but, you know, maybe knows a secret about the plant people or something like that's something that's harder. You know, games do it, but it's harder Mm -hmm. uh, than just having them be a stat block. Yeah. I mean, even
0: like even Final Fantasy V, it has stuff that kind of gets into that where you're really like where you're rescuing the golem, you know, Um, or uh, like in the Phoenix Tower, the magic pots. You know, yeah. some stuff that they would bring forward. It's like, yeah, like the you, town you, that's you, a random encounter. You've yeah, you, you've you've shown that you can do this. Like, why don't you just do yeah. more of it? it
1: just not, you know, because the game would be ten hours long. Yeah, you know, like, it would, and you wouldn't be able to power the the upgrade system with it. And it's like, we'll just find a different way. Like, it is a failure of the imagination that this genre is stuck in this rut. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and having it be, you know, uh, like it is, it is cool when it's done well. It's also something, too, where I think about how kind of like modern tabletop play has moved away from this mm-hmm. quite a bit. Like um, I switched uh, the campaign that I play over to Dungeon World because uh, the system I was using didn't work. And that has a move. Like if you go between large structures of land, there is a move that your characters do called Undertake a Perilous Journey. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, there tends to be an encounter yeah. on that. Um, it's not random, though, like one of the consequences of that is like something gets the drop on you. Uh, if it goes well, you get the drop on it. But there's something there. Yeah, but it's just it's you know it doesn't have to be random. Mm-hmm. You know it's like oh like I I designed it. It's just another encounter along the way. Mm-hmm. It's part of the fabric of this adventure. Like I still think that is the the key to this is fewer fights,
2: mm-hmm.
1: not necessarily fights that you can talk your way out of because you can talk your way out of fights in Fantasy Star. Yep. You know like there 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 are JRPGs that have you know and Persona right. Like there are JRPGs where you have things you can do other than fight, but it just needs to happen less,
3: mm-hmm.
1: like way 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 less. You know, and in this random encounter that this good version that Kyle's talking about, like fallout between moving between towns, you maybe get two. Yeah. You know, maybe.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And But you might get none. Yeah. You know, uh, it's just it just needs to be tuned down. So those are all super good points. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me want to read uh, some old old school hex crawls yes. and look through the encounters because like very old D&D is a treasure trove of like really good ideas you have to rescue from some from some very bad ideas. Yeah. Uh, which is super cool. Mm -hmm. I think this is you. This is me. Uh, David says, Viva contact! (laughs) Uh, Long time, one thing, first time, other thing. I just want to briefly write in, following my listen to the second half of the Final Fantasy V coverage. I doubt I'm the only person to latch on to this, but I think Gary said something important when he, perhaps rhetorically asked if we wanted you all to keep covering JRPGs if every time uh, he and or Cole is going to bring up the random battles and grinding and BS. I, for one, say yes for a couple of reasons. One, when you complain about this mechanic, it's less a complaint than a critique. It's never just, I hate this, it's bad, the game sucks. It's a nuanced take on why this mechanic is detrimental to the game overall and why it's no longer necessary. I know a common rejoinder to this critique is that these are great podcast or TV watching games to play while you're doing something else, but I don't think that's a particularly strong defense of a game or mechanic. Uh, that is something to fill. That is, that is something to fill time with while you're distracted by something else. Hmm. So keep on covering JRPGs and offering these insightful critiques. Uh, two, JRPGs are long games, and many are quote-unquote important games that get talked about like they're essential. I want to be literate in the games discourse, but my time is valuable, and I'll never be able to play something or play every game, let alone every fifty-hour, uh, fifty-hour-plus JRPG. So I partially experience some just by listening to the two of you. I would never uh, have actually played *NieR* or *Final Fantasy X. I I just have too little free time and too many other games I want to play first. But I know, uh, or but I now at least have some exposure uh, to and experience with these topics because of your coverage. So yes, maybe you guys' suggestion to space these out a bit more going forward is good. Uh, but I do hope to listen to more of your coverage of JRPGs in the future. At the very least, we the audience owe it to Gary. To listen to him gush about Final Fantasy Tactics for hours on some future episode. <laughs> the uh, yeah, on this replay, I will probably do a duck feed presents because yeah. I'm doing a closer read of it than and we covered that six years ago or whatever. Yeah,
0: show was different. This is a
1: long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Um, thank you. That's very very nice thing to say.
0: Thank you. Yeah. No. It's 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 good to hear at least something in support of of this. You know, just mm-hmm. as as non pompously as possible, something that we approach the show wanting to do is making this as you know as a service, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, we we play these games so you don't have to when the when 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 they are bad, you can experience them vicariously if you would like to. At the very least, to hear somebody say that that is a value they get out of it feels good. So thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and I never like I, you know, it is it is a intentional value of the show to not say things are bad without saying why. Yeah. yeah. Like I never I never want to say something is bad without saying why I don't care about anyone else saying something is bad without saying why or mm good.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, you know, just kind of period. Like, I think that that's like a necessary part of that sentence. Yes. Is why. So, like, even though we complain about the, com- the mechanic or critique the mechanic over and over, like, it's always going to be why it's a thing. Mm hmm. You know, because it interrupted the experience like it it was detrimental to the experience like that's worth talking about. Yes. You know, I do like legitimately think like moving to strategy for at least a a year is kind of a good idea. Like, yeah, I don't know. I would like a break. Like I would like a break, even though I appreciate that David still wants to hear it. Like Mm -hmm. I would like a break. So understandable. Yeah, no. Yeah. You know, and that doesn't mean like there's still like, you know, forever and either for this or bonfire side chat. Lost Kingdoms is a four hour jrpg mm-hmm. that from made i'm really curious about that me too largely because i want to see what a four hour jrpg looks like you know that's a really interesting idea like it sounds like a ludum dairy mm-hmm. thing to me almost like that yeah. sounds very interesting so it's not saying like never to things that are specifically bite-sized but these very long things that i appreciate that david doesn't have time to play like i just want to spend time thinking about other stuff in games for a little bit true you know agreed so yeah yeah uh-huh. um yeah, very, very appreciate though. Very, very, very sweet of
0: you. Uh, Rich says via contact uh, In response to the tangent in the Final Fantasy V Generalities episode about the Final Fantasy anime, uh, I thought I would point you guys to the existence of the fairly short OVA Last Order Final Fantasy VII. It's a pretty straightforward retelling of the Nibelheim incident up to the death of Zack. Uh, it was released with a limited collector's edition of Advent Children, so it long predates any of the additional story beats injected into this period by Crisis Core. Uh, while mostly received positively, there was apparently some outcry regarding the changes to the portrayal of the Nibbleheim incident uh, that were later reversed when the PSP game revisited the events. Well,
1: thanks, uh, thanks for uh, letting us know. Yep,
0: uh, people, I, I was not familiar with that. People also brought our attention to Final Fantasy Ultimate, I think is what it is. Um, another mm-hmm. Final Fantasy anime. So we were right. There must have been another one besides the. According
1: to Google, uh, OVA <laughs> is the plural form of ovum.
0: Ooh. So yes. this is a,
1: a a fairly short egg. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's order. like a coin. Well, okay, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, just tiny, tiny, short egg. Yeah. Baby egg. You know what I was thinking the other day? What a phrase popped into my head? Uh, night eggs. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 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 like 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 night
0: like <laughs> night cheese.
1: Yeah, a little bit. You okay. know, but in my mind they were like like standing freestanding in a field. Or floating maybe. <laughs> you know? Like under the moonlight in a cornfield. Like The Night, night eggs, eggs come
0: out at night.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it writes itself basically. <laughs> you know, like you, you just got the first sentence like done. <laughs> like, you know?
0: Well one of the exposed corpses thing.
1: Yeah. The uh, will write a novel. Yeah. The night eggs come out at night. <laughs> um, um the uh yeah so yeah night eggs
0: yeah <laughs> i sometimes enjoy a night egg sometimes i wake up
1: <laughs> yeah i've had i've had breakfast for dinner like you yeah. know I, i've had a night egg before but i also i just like you know it being a like in the corner or whatever
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know
1: like you you turn on your light and then like in stark you know bright fluorescent light like uh, kind of like the movie pie mm. there's one egg in the corner of your room yeah you know as, as you woke up yeah. night egg <laughs> Here it comes. Oh. <laughs> like, here, it, here it comes. Yeah. Like night egg. Um, yeah. Uh, th- uh, thank you uh, for that. Moving on to responses to Wolfenstein, the new order uh, and somebody on Slack, dude, is just going to want to say said Waffenstein, the new Colossus, which I like Wolfenstein: the new Colossus. But uh, so Dylan says Viva contact. <clears throat> Wolfenstein, the new order and its sequel inspire some really mixed thoughts for me. Both hit during times when my desire to kill Nazis was at its peak, a desire that grows stronger uh, every day in our hell world, and I jumped into them with the intention of making Red Mist out of some racist. What took me by surprise in the New Order, and to a lesser extent in the sequel, is just how well-written these games are. Similar to Doom 2016, these games really got me into the headspace of the protagonist in unexpected ways. While well, Doom encouraged a rip-and-tear flow of violence... Wolfenstein trades in surprising uh, surprising empathy for BJ, unexpectedly crafting him into one of the most nuanced game protagonists I've seen. I remember the cutscene of BJ's recovery in the hospital hitting home for me in a way I truly didn't expect, and I think the developer only strengthened this bond with every cutscene that would follow in the series. The gameplay is another story. The part I most expected to enjoy in the new Wolf games quickly became my biggest point of friction— Simply put, I think the shooting in these games is mediocre as hell. The reliance on bullet spongy armor, uh, especially in the New Order, and Mech Dogs only serves as a road bump in seeing BJ's compelling story or carving a swath through the Reich. A large part of my issues may stem with the unfavorable comparison invited by the vastly superior mechanics of Doom, but I yearned for less resistance. In the second game, the Courthouse Massacre in particular felt so overtuned uh, that I almost didn't finish it. In fact, the more I think about these games, the more I wish they weren't games. The story is so good uh, and so often delivered outside of actual gameplay that I think it would work better as a machinima or a miniseries. I'll continue playing the new Wolfenstein games out of sheer love for the characters, but they stand uh, to me as some of the worst examples of ludonarrative dissonance that I've played. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on them, though, because in spite of everything, they're special as hell. Nazi punks, get the fuck out.
0: Co-signed. On the last one, at least. (laughs) Co-signed. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like this shooter. I mean, mm-hmm. we 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 talked about it. This subjective as anything, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I like the shooter. I for me, like if I was in that situation, I think it is important to actually play the game and like walk through the environments and stuff rather than having it as a collection of cutscenes or machinima. Yeah. Um, if I felt what how Dylan felt, I would bump it down to easy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everything will melt pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll then you'll just get that mist you know, cut the, cut the swath through the, through the Reich.
0: You'll get the empowerment. You'll get, you'll, you you will get rid of any of the, you know, dissonance, um, because Mm -hmm. BJ will, you know, both be this sensitive person who is present in the cutscenes, but he does exist even in the story, you know, even like even his purpose in the world is to kill these Nazis, um, you know, and cut (laughs) through them. So yeah, bumping down to easy, I think is absolutely a good way to go. I'm playing the new Colossus right now. Mm-hmm. i fire I fired it up, and I'm really enjoying it, but I started on like the lower of the uh of the medium difficulty, so like one above you know don't hurt me, daddy or whatever um mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm having just i'm having, i' like I've died a couple of times, it's still good and fun um I do agree that uh putting this up against doom this this does you know fall short, but they are also different games
1: yeah they feel very different to me like. Yeah. Do do this feels like a tradition like a a a pretty tight and pleasurable corridor shooter. Mm -hmm. You know, to me. Basically with some like more open elements. Doom is like an arena shooter with this like really super cool risk reward Mm -hmm. loop. Yeah. You know, that it has. Like it's definitely a stronger, more interesting loop than this one has. This to me seems feels like a good articulation of nothing new, whereas the new Doom felt like something that was new. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Let's see
0: here. Um, Yeah. Um, Abraham uh, says via contact. Wolfenstein, the new order uh, taught me some excellent DMing strategies for making my players feel actively engaged in the setting and motivated to pursue a villain's downfall. When the player through the eyes of Blaskovitz is captured by death set and forced to make an impossible decision regarding the fate of his comrades. The player is made to be our participant in a cruel and brutal death that made me hate the villain in a way that I had never before experienced in a video game. Whereas other games may rely on players being motivated to press forward through a desire for loot, exploration, or entertaining gameplay, the New Order's various antagonists put such a bad taste in my mouth uh, that I simply wanted to kill Death's Head and his cronies as much as Blaswitz did. To this end, my current d and campaign made use of the Death's Head capture scene to instill a sense of passion in my players as they pursue the current villain. While infiltrating a a mind flayer's laboratory with the help of two well-liked NPCs, the party was incapacitated and following some failed roles to resist mind reading, uh, each player was told uh, to text me the name of which NPC was to be, quote, used for samples. The NPC that received the most votes. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) American Idol. Um, yeah 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 the npc that received the most votes uh then had his brain removed and the mind flayer escaped telling the players that they chose the good one um oh, while, yeah. while my players were left stunned uh ending the game session at that moment gave the players plenty of time to think about what they had, what had just happened feeling guilty and building anger towards their mind flayer nemesis the party has participated in several several sessions since, at all times obsessed with tracking down the villain and exacting revenge. Just wait until they have to fight a golem powered by their NPC friend's stolen brain. A quick honorable mention uh, for another video game that has influenced an upcoming D&D campaign, Spec Ops The Line. I hope that using incomplete information to blur the lines between good and bad will make players wonder if they're really the good guys, especially with a set piece inspired by the white phosphorus
1: scene. I have had a really hard time making players wonder if they're really the really good guys. Yeah. And stuff like you know, in, in a way that it has a big impact. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they often aren't, uh, you know, but they tend to be pretty okay with it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that is, uh, all of that is a great idea. Yeah. Steal from you games. Know, I, lo- I love that. Like, something, steal from games and also uh, something that the, the, the new Wolves do that I, I just love in media and call me simple, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a hard-on for justice. hmm Uh, in a way where like, if you make somebody extremely hateable in a thing and you're really good at it Mm -hmm. and then later I get to watch them get punished, uh, that loop works on me. Yeah. Like I understand that that's probably base and and bad or something to be interrogated, but it's just the case. It's a big reason why, like, I love, you know, what happens in breaking bad, like happens in game of Thrones happens Mm -hmm. in like a lot of shows, Yeah. you know, like you get a villain, they're really shitty. They got to go. They go. Yep. Like that is a really satisfying formula to me, um, and the 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 sauce in that, like the secret, is making the villain that hateable. Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, and I think Wolf is great at it.
0: Very much so. Agreed. Um, and the, sounds like the, a fun
1: D and campaign.
0: Absolutely. And the new Colossus continues that.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, and whatever the third one is, I'm looking forward to playing Youngblood. I got to get my buddy mm-hmm. uh, to get it. Yeah. Um, Eli says, "Viva contact." The New Order is a very, or very refreshing play after recently also finishing Bioshock Infinite. I don't just mean that Wolfenstein is actually fun to play. Where Infinite decides to totally jump the gun to have your player oppose a resistance movement and portray them as the antagonist in its back half, Wolfenstein takes a more, let's say, ideologically correct view. I'm talking about the various news articles written by the Nazis and speech blurbs from German citizens. Twelve killed in car bombing. Hundreds injured. Things were so peaceful just a week ago. Why can't they just leave us in peace? the actions of your resistance are excessive in their violence and collateral damage is inevitable and this is acknowledged without holding up a mirror to antifa ideology and saying come on who's really the bad guy here this also lends itself to a truth of humanity that yes even after a decade after the literal uh, even a decade after the literal nazis have taken over the globe maybe of those lucky enough to not be at the absolute bottom of the pile will be so strongly attached to their comfort as to be hostile to those pushing back against the oppression it's also something, just this is an aside, that's followed up on a lot in the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, as for gameplay, I had a lot of fun, but my main criticism is that pickups should be automatic. There's no situation where I'm not picking up every gun, ammo, health, armor pickup that I find. I am sure some people are able to use overcharge tactically, but it doesn't seem worth the annoyance cost of grabbing everything manually. I would often try to pick something up in the heat of battle, only to end up reloading or picking up one of those big walking turret guns sometimes even resulting in death for me. Really cool game overall. The soundtrack slaps, and bringing Death Incarnate down upon Nazis feels pretty good in 2019. P.S., I always chalked uh, up this complaint to a weird sticking point with you guys, but seeing the easy difficult labeled as being spineless gamer really rubbed me the wrong way. Like, goddamn, guys. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, that is a, a callback to Wolfenstein 3D.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, the Can I play daddy? Is mm-hmm. uh, they, they took the actual difficulty titles. hmm from uh from wolf 3d yeah so. yeah
0: so uh, we didn't remark remark on that in the episode just because it is that callback um mm-hmm.
1: you know and but it's not great
0: yeah it's it's not a good instinct oh. you can lean away from yeah. it yeah but
1: yeah, yeah. um
0: yeah, uh yeah, th- and,
1: ag- and agreed about the pickup thing i think they fixed that in the sequel can you confirm that call
0: um in the sequel um so i i switched between playing on pc to ps4 because i i got mm-hmm. i got wolf to on ps4 for like 20 bucks like a year ago um uh but um yeah uh when you are near something you can just press the button and pick stuff up you don't have to mouse over it like you do in the first one okay like, yeah um gotcha. yeah i i agree that this is a problem that i had with the system as well and it never kind of stopped being an annoyance for me um mm-hmm. but it was low level enough that it didn't bear mentioning
1: in the episode
0: i just i just kind of ran with it
1: yeah 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 the um it's, it is one of those things, too, where, like, so I, I love overcharge, and I was able to use it effectively. Mm-hmm. The simple solution to that is you automatically pick up health if you're under 100%. Yes. You know, and then you, uh, you have to choose to go over. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be fine. Yeah. And you always automatically pick up ammo, mm-hmm. automatically pick up armor. Those would be great. Yeah. You know, so it feels like an easy fix. I think they fixed in the sequel. I'm not totally sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what you said, like, they made it better yeah they you know, they, not, they made totally
0: it less fixed. uh it required less precision <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah. and you know for the for the first part like yeah you know there there are going to be people in any in any power arrangement who benefit from the status quo um mm-hmm. but yeah no there 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 is an injustice inherent in that,
1: yeah, it's literally you know, and one of the things i like tiny you know hell world moves so quickly mm-hmm. that I even think that like if this were made now, it might be different because yeah. you'd have to contend with stuff like um you know, now we have, uh, like, our media, mm-hmm. you know, talking about uh, things like, you know, again, like, so recording this on Monday after another big, like, protest, you know, demonstration thing in Portland on Saturday. Yeah. Right. And you end up with things. So you end up with, like, kind of, sh- you know, charlatan, shitty journalists. Yeah. Uh Perpetrating something that's like literally, you know, literally provably false, but it's still being picked up on by major news corporations. Yeah. Like, I know that it's so close to saying fake news, and I'm trying really hard not to say it. Yeah. But everything Andy Ngo or Andy Go, Andy Ngo says is uh is fake. Yes. Uh, that guy's a charlatan, and he's – this time, there's like demonstrably fake. There's evidence that he's yeah. like faking things and and, getting, and they're getting picked up. The uh, hammer um, story. That's not saying uh, – the look, hammer look, story. Look up
0: Andy any, Ngo, um, uh, hammers, hammer bus, yeah. if you're doing a search for yeah. it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh so you can you can read about this. It is discredited. Like he, you know, but and yet uh he had still got picked up
0: mm-hmm.
1: like at parts, right? So like that's something they would have to deal with yeah. now. Like it's so crazy that the hell world that we exist in now is so much worse and different and more insidious than the hell world of a couple of years ago. Yeah. You know, this yeah. just has people having their like, oh, like I'm against these people because they're terrorists, why don't they leave us alone? Mm-hmm. Stuff which happens now. But you don't have like people you know purporting to be neutral actively spinning it, yeah, yeah, you know it's just the man on the street being passive, which like also sucks, but like mm-hmm. it's actually worse,
0: yeah, yeah. You, you you don't have uh you the, the the broader narrative that everything has to be a horse race and their equivalencies you know i i yeah. I made a tweet over the weekend like, yeah, if you have an excise, you know both sides and all sides. From your uh, from your vocabulary, you go in the penalty box and I got people pushing yeah. back saying, oh, so you're into extremism. huh?" And it's like, well, <laughs> I didn't respond because the, the, those responses are traps, but also white supremacy shouldn't be on the table.
1: <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, it's not that's not, you know, that's not yeah. uh, being, you know, again, we, we talked about this a lot, like yeah. values neutral. Yeah. yeah. Uh, kind of principled stances that I have no time for. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just against extremism. That's that's nonsense. Yeah. You know, like, like you don't care what the extremism is. Yeah. You just don't like it because it's extreme. Like, that's not a good opinion. No. You know, like, don't. Uh, you know, I'm just against violence. Really? Like, you don't. You don't care what the violence is. So, like, <laughs> you know, uh, any, any, there are no just wars. Like, there are no. You know, like it. Nobody actually lives like that, but they they want to rest in that principle.
0: Yeah, they want to yeah. hold. A, they want to hold yeah. a bunch of other people to that to that standard. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah.
1: And you know, and apologies for taking up eighty uh, percent of our runtime on this episode talking about this this topic.
0: Yeah, yeah, that um, was a real or a real miscalculation.
1: Yeah, the, yeah <laughs> we really did it for the entire episode. Yeah. I can't believe those guys just spend the entire episode talking about this. <laughs> um, moving on uh, to Zach. Uh, oh, this is you doing Zach. Oh yes,
0: Viva Contact. Zach, Viva Contact. Uh, I replayed this recently. Uh, when it was announced for the show, and I'm still amazed at how well it works. There are parts that I struggle with. So the combat is difficult in a way that feels excessive. Uh, and the boss fights, uh, all take a minute or two longer than they really need to in order to make their point. But in a way, the brutal mechanics reinforce the narrative urgency. Everything seems impossible. Every victory comes with a hefty cost. Uh, even, with B- even when BJ is flying to the moon and murdering thousands of Nazis at, Nazis at a stretch, you're always just a few bullets away from death. The New Order means everything from its science fiction mysticism to its gut-punching horror to its smirking bastard Nazis to its surprisingly affecting love story. Uh, the fact that uh, the, the fact that, that sincerity works is a result of some great writing, voice work, and animation. And I love how those scenes give weight to the combat, even when you're doing something as simple and direct as knifing soldiers in the back and shooting other so- soldiers in the face. Uh, it's a good example of the way narrative and mechanics can feed off of each other in simple but powerful ways.
1: Yeah, well said. Yeah. Like, a, yeah, I don't know if I have anything to add to that, but that is uh, well put.
0: No, I mean, it reinforces something we said in the episode, which is it manages to walk a number of very impressive tightropes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, closing us out here, uh, we have Garrett, Viva Contact. My origins with Wolfenstein uh, were on a cousin's computer back in the day playing Wolfenstein 3D. It was pretty straightforward and very much just a game. I went into the New Order expecting a similarly straightforward shooter— to some surprise, it turned out to be pretty heavily narratively focused. The first sex scene really caught me off guard because BJ was always just a bloody face at the bottom of the screen in my eyes, not a dude with emotions driving him to physical intimacy. Wolfenstein: The New Order, in my opinion, suffers under the weight of its narrative elements. Whilst I, whilst I can appreciate how those elements help differentiate it from Doom, a problem the series definitely had back in the day, I also find that it hurts the pacing in ways I find grating. BJ is written well, and I like the exploration of his psyche but he has, in my experience, been a lone gun behind enemy lines. The addition of many characters he regularly interacts with in both cutscene and in-between uh, mission home base segments forces the game to slow its rhythm down to accommodate, accommodate them and hurts the gameplay experience for myself. I can't help but wonder if there was a way to keep the pace more quick while exploring BJ's mentality. Surely there was a way this could be done without the enormous breaks from shooting Nazis. But alas, here we are with a very talkative shooter that feels a bit off-brand. But considering I was absent uh, for so many titles between Wolfenstein 3D and the New Order, maybe I just didn't see the through line of, to this narrative focus. Hope others got more out of this. It's well made. It just lacks the immediacy of action that I sought. Yeah. Uh, interesting idea. Because, uh, you know, the, definitely the original Wolf is you know, Wolfenstein 3D is a arcade shooter. Yes. Like at its core. Um, to me, like, you know, it's very rare that you'll hear me say this, but I think this is, you know, exactly the right amount of talky. For me, mm-hmm.
2: um,
1: I for me that pace like one of the things that they do that is a pacing trick for this is that a lot of the talking does not happen through cutscenes, right? Um, it happens through like those exploration segments where you're still active but you're not necessarily fighting. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the th- reasons that's important uh, now that it's dealing with kind of a different context than when Wolfenstein 3D came out is that uh, to to fight this threat, like we need a coalition victory, basically. Yeah, like you're going to need other people. The the one person who takes down the Nazis. Is a good fantasy in a world where the Nazis are an abstract era of the past. Yeah, when there are actual, practical kind of mirrorings of this, mm-hmm. I think that having those other people and getting a large diverse group of people to like fight back, we we'll all have a vested interest. Is important to showing that we, in real life, we all have this interest. Yes, you know,
0: you know the the idea of BJ as uh, you know a lone gunman behind or a lone wolf behind um, enemy lines. That makes sense. However, specifically in the new order is it is about those lines going away. There is no enemy line. It's everything and everywhere. Yeah. You know, um, and making okay. it into a resistance story feels like, um, an evolution that they needed to tell the story that they needed to tell. They kind of go hand in hand, I think. Um, yeah. and I can, I can understand that not being what you're looking for, especially with, totally. you know, uh, especially with the history. um, with the series right
1: yeah yeah if you are uh if you're if you're looking for an arcade shooter you're thinking more about that um this is not that right you know i think that evolution probably did happen with the games in between um just maybe not like 2009 is probably more talky than wolfenstein 3d yes just kind of naturally being a product of its time but Mm -hmm. this kind of very pathos character forward thing is a new direction and like it worked for us Mm -hmm. but you know it doesn't have to work for everybody yeah so yeah um thanks everybody for your responses. We really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Thanks everybody for your questions and stuff. It's been a long episode. Yeah. Um, We are going to announce what we're doing in October. And uh, right now.
0: Let's do it right now. Um, So the first game that we're covering uh, October being uh, the spooky month, we're going to be talking about the new call of Cthulhu game,
1: not sinking city. Uh, It is the call of Cthulhu game that came out in 2018. Yes. The official tabletop tie-in game. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, yep. um, I'm looking forward to that. I, I basically, as soon as it came out, it's like, oh yeah, we're definitely going to do that on WAF. So it has yeah, been point. sitting there for me.
1: It's a very good WAF game in that it is, uh, very imperfect.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but the things that it has a lot of things I think are neat about it. Like even, you know, I played it, I did, you know, basically like live tweeted my experience of it and I liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the balance. Um there are things that I definitely would like to see improved and I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yeah. It is like out of things that came out that year, it's uh it's second only really to Vampires. Things I I think are like, oh, this is a waff game. Like we have to do that. Yeah. yeah. So Vampire will happen someday because mm-hmm. that's waf as hell. Um but after Call of Cthulhu instead of Vampire we we're doing Silent Hill Shattered Memories.
0: Yep. I am uh-huh. so
1: excited about this. <laughs> yeah. I've never played it. It's been a while since we've been to Silent Hill. Mm-hmm Um, I'm excited about it. I played the first one though. So I played what it's remaking. So I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing kind of the points of comparison.
0: Yep. Um, it is a very strange game, uh, that Mm. adapts itself to the way that you play. It does like a little psychoanalysis thing that, uh, I've Mm -hmm. not really seen, um, in other games. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really Mm -hmm. cool. And the way that they adapt the story is, uh, uh, you know, something that I really enjoy as well. So yeah, Silent cool. Hill Shadow Memories. Uh, the Wii version, the PS2 and um, PSP versions, I guess, are similar, but the Wii version, you know, is the canonical one. So we're doing that. Mm. Um, after yeah. that, we are doing. Um, this is kind of a strange one for us, but we're going back to Resident Evil Seven. Uh, Specifically doing the DLCs. So touching on the band footage, but there are two major story DLCs that came out kind of briefly after we did uh, the main game. So we're going to be spending a lot of our time talking about Not a Hero um, and Mm -hmm. End of Zoe, which together put a lot of closure to the story, actually.
1: Yeah, I have not played them because I, you know, we, we've we kicked around doing these for the show for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really excited, too, because I loved Resident Evil 7. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy to go back to that world. Like, I've kept it installed on my computer
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, this entire time because of that.
0: Yeah. And um, also, you don't yeah, want to, like, re- redo the tweaks that you did to make it not make you motion sick.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. That does not sound good to me either. So <laughs> I'm really looking forward to playing these. I wanted to play them since that game basically came out. Mm-hmm. And I want to have the show be able you know, to allow for stuff like that. Yeah. Right? Like. We can do a a rich DLC Mm
2: -hmm.
1: on the show. Um, And then finally, so this is a big month. There are uh, five weeks in it. So we also have our uh, premium episode Mm -hmm. that month. So uh, to remind everybody, those are episodes where we put out a preview of the episode that covers generalities. But to hear the full episode, uh, that is for patrons at $5 or better. Um, And we are doing Alan Wake. Um, This is a patron request Mm -hmm. uh, that we're doing. And it's a game we both like, um, have talked about kind of off and on uh you know quite a bit and uh, i'm really looking forward to revisiting
0: me too so, um yeah so. uh we're going to be covering the main game uh we'll talk about the uh the dlcs uh the extra two episodes kind of in broad strokes uh you're not going to force me to play those again so
1: yeah i'm not gonna you, who who will talk about those yeah mouse in your pocket like we will talk about those <laughs> i mean uh, yeah no,
0: I'll, I'll, i will allude to them and talk about what they do yeah. uh not much and it's all frustrating <laughs> Go back no, and look sucks. at the archives of my okay. streams on on, uh, on X Rank Live uh, to see exactly how poorly that'll go.
1: So, Ellen yeah. Wake, uh, I actually did a Let's Play of this as well, but it was before I knew how to do any kind of video, uh, I didn't know anything about video, so they're really low resolution
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, videos. But there's a Let's Play uh, up on YouTube of me playing this game, and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my mind, I remember feeling like the combat got very repetitive, and the story stuff was really cool throughout. Yeah. It is. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to that and a repetitive combat that's actually, like, not a terrible loop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not opposed to. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's October. We have the rest of the year basically planned. Mm-hmm. Um, all but, like, just a couple things. It's going to be really cool. Um, if you are somebody who wants to sponsor an episode, um, just because we have the rest of the year kind of, uh, you know, closed up, doesn't mean that you should not sponsor an episode because we're going to start planning for, for next year soon right? Mm -hmm. A month or two, we'll start planning for January. Yeah. Um, Yeah. If you are hearing this, um, it is probably, uh, you know, just days before DuckFest. Yes. But um, so still come to that. Go to DuckFeed.tv slash DuckFest. Mm -hmm. Um, Also keep an eye out for information about PRGE. Yes. So we are there. We are tabling. We have a panel. um, We have a subject. We will talk about all that stuff soon.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but otherwise, the best thing that you can do is go to patreon.com slash If you back for only $5 a month, you get access to all of our previous uh, premium episodes of Watch Out for Fireballs, in addition to a bunch of other stuff, uh, like our show Unfilmable, uh, since we're coming up on, mm-hmm. you know, since, since we just announced October. Um, you know, that is our show about how Lovecraft and Lovecraftian ideas have been adapted to the
1: screen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, just as for fans of that show. Mm-hmm. I guess that on a podcast called, uh, we love to watch where he talked about, um, me and Cole covered, uh, the Stuart Gordon from beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew we wouldn't do multiple adaptations of from beyond. Mm-hmm. So I guess that on a podcast talking about a, a movie called Banshee chapter, mm. which is a, a loose adaptation of from beyond that is okay. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was a very, very fun, uh, podcast to record. Um, yeah. And, uh, there's some more guest stuff coming up as well. So keep an eye uh, out for me on podcasts. I'm, trying to get people to come to duck Fest. Mm-hmm. So i'm guesting on stuff
0: yeah um yeah.
1: what else and that's almost it uh, ratings and reviews on apple podcast uh really appreciated mm-hmm. and uh yeah say nice things about us on message boards and come hang out in the slack please do if yeah. um and uh, that's probably it so uh until next time stay safe night eggs <laughs> Don't crack. Pretty good sound off. Don't crack, <laughs> night eggs. Yeah.